The only the only Tarzan attraction <laughs> at Disney has no narration. That's the best I can do because that's all you hear. Props, okay. <laughs> well, I, I applaud you. Thank you, thank you. You have just heard the entire soundtrack of Tarzan's Treehouse. <laughs> oh, located. that's not true, but it's no, it's pretty much With a couple well placed. <laughs> Occasionally, baby Tarzan. Oh, that's right. Baby Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Anna Musings. Um, if you haven't guessed by that, we're reviewing Tarzan. Um, I am your host, Kayla King. I am here with my other co-host and husband, David King. Of the jungle. Of the jungle. <laughs> David King of the jungle. <laughs> David King, Lord of the Apes. <laughs> Written by Edgar Rice Burroughs. And uh, we have a, and our, our special guest this time is a friend of ours. You might have heard him in uh, Midnight Marinara doing a couple voices, most notably the the fa- the angry father and the goat created ghost of angry father, as well as um, as well as the uh, j- as well as the jaded zombie hunter. And it's always a zombie. It's our good friend Sandy Stoltz. Hello, hello, <laughs> Johnny Good. Talking into a tunnel or something. I'm like, hello. What's <laughs> going on over there? Hello, hello, hello. We're on the far end. We're don't worry, we'll find you. <laughs> Thanks Finally for having me. Yo, <laughs> glad to have you. Uh, this is this is good. So yeah, we're uh, and believe it or not, this is actually this episode. It, Mark is coming out on the in the month, maybe not the day, but the month of our three-year anniversary doing this podcast. I am shocked it's lasted this. <laughs> I know. Two, three years ago, we started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and now we're in 1999 with uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios' version of Tarzan. Uh, oh. it, which is the final movie of the Disney Renaissance period. Yeah. Is, um, and that'll be fun to talk about. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I can't wait till we get into the next period. That's going to be some well, crazy oh, times. Yeah. I, I know generally the order of movies but what movie came after tarzan was it 2000 uh, fantasia 2000 yes it was that's very that's and right after what was right after that oh uh was that the emperor's new groove um no there was something between that no, there was something new groove. uh dinosaur oh no yeah that was dinosaur that was, that was a weird time oh boy okay um <laughs> yeah there's there's some weird movies ahead mm, okay it's, it's so this is weird, weird weird fork in the road we're at, we're about to arrive in <laughs> it's gonna be an unusual couple of months i'll tell you that um but at least uh we get you know here we are with with tarzan i kind of want to just revel in the fact that we have this this last hurrah uh you want to give us a little bit of the i mean you're usually the historian in this case do we want to start with the history of the film's production uh yeah um but i think the first thing to speak of is that tarzan was based off a book um called tarzan of the apes by edgar rice burroughs um which was published in 1912 and Tarzan was popular. We got to, you got to keep this in your mind. It was very popular. There were 24 books and many, many, many film adaptations. And when I mean many, the first Tarzan film was a silent film in 1918. 
and they made two of them. Like it's, oh, it's I, I, I was looking through and I was like, there's just so many. So Tarzan has always been a part of the American public that there's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Um, so, so unlike a lot of authors of that time who made a book and then it became a classic later on, this was just a popular right out of the gate. Oh yeah. It, like it, it was one of those like, yeah, we need more books. And he made like 24 more, like a whole series. It's wow, okay. insane. Um, and Disney was interested in making a Tarzan film because it had never been animated. There's been live action Tarzan films, plenty of them, but no animated ones. And they thought, well, we could use animation to show better connection with like the animals. Like you could actually get the animals to talk and like move and say things or do things in ways that you couldn't naturally get in Mm -hmm. a live action film. Um, So that was definitely something they wanted to do. Uh, Now there is one important person in this behind the scenes story, and that is Kevin Lima. Uh, You may remember Kevin Lima as the director of a goofy movie. Mm. And um, yeah, he, he's like one of those Disney animators is he fascinates me like because you could tell he's a big uh disney buff and it's even more apparent when you watch enchanted like this guy is like oh i'm writing a love letter to disney (laughs) so um there's a just to refresh my memory what else did he work on uh i mean he he's done like other animation stuff on other disney films like uh he, he uh but this is his these are the three main ones. Like, it was a Goofy movie, Tarzan, uh, and uh, Enchanted. Those are okay. uh, the movies he's directed. Well, in this case, he's co-directed this, but I'll get into that. Oh. <laughs> so when he was working on a Goofy movie, uh, he was called by Jeffrey Katzenberger. <laughs> yes, I know, David. You, you keep thinking you've escaped that man, and you still will <laughs> never escape that man. I, won't. I know there- way too much about that guy these days. Jeffrey Jeffrey casts a long shadow over this company. <laughs> so uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg called him and they said, hi, uh, Kevin, we would love for you to make a TV series out of Tarzan. He's like, oh, that sounds interesting. We also want you to create a whole new studio in Canada in order to make this film. And he's like, Jeffrey, that, that's impossible, but I want it. But it's not, it, I can't do it. That like, that's just an humanly impossible and this was right around the time when Katzenberg was just about done, too. Yes. Um, he called a few more times, and after that, it was, it was quiet. And yes, then Jeffrey left the company. Uh, now, a lot of these, um, I, was, I read in Kevin Lena's interviews, mm-hmm. and um, he said he, he actually got nervous when Jeffrey left because he was the one who helped him, like, get a career and he's like, Oh wow. I don't think, I think I'm fired after this or I don't know how I'm going to get more work. Uh, but luckily Michael Eisner, Eisner, Michael Eisner calls him and says, Hey, we want you to direct Tarzan, but as a film. And Kevin Lee was like that I can do. <laughs> but, uh, this was a much bigger film than a goofy movie was. And, when I mean bigger, like a goofy movie probably cost a budget like mm, like thirty million dollars. This one cost a hundred and thirty million. Uh, that was their budget. Wow. Yeah, and there's like four hundred animators. It, it was it was a much bigger production. 
So knowing that he would be pretty overwhelmed, he brought in fellow animator uh, Chris Buck to help co-direct. Um, now, this was something I found interesting because I, I decided I want to bring this up. Um, because they said, oh, we had to go through uh, the Edgar Rice Burroughs Inc. in order to get um, the rights to make the film. I'm like, right? Yeah. Isn't it in the public domain? Yes, but as of 2015. Oh. So, and not even, not only that, the only the book is in the public domain. Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' name and major characters are trademark. So if you want to use Tarzan's character or his resemblance in any sort of medium, you have to contact them. Interesting. But if you- know that long as that much time has gone by. Yes. Uh, but if you want to read, uh, read the book, um, and you can read it for free. You, like, you can go online and just read it for free. There's no, <laughs> nothing stopping you. If you want to read it online or you could read it anywhere, that's no issue. They're not going to come after you. But if you use their likeness, in it, like Tarzan's likeness in any that's- medium- wild so it's like if somebody was like i want to uh, do a uh, something with return of the jedi or something you'd be like (laughs) oh well sure uh you could you know use the movie but the moment you start using luke skywalker selling something that you have to pay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's interesting so so the estate of uh, the, so, like, the Burroughs estate still owns the copyright? Yes, or okay. the, the, the trademark. Oh, the trademark. Okay. Yes. Um, trademark, they can recontinue to, like... That makes sense, yeah. Copyright, it's... The book's in the public domain. It's, okay. It's out there. Um, but um, I read some uh, other people's experience with Edgar Rice Burroughs, Inc., uh, as well as Disney's, and apparently they're very nice people. Like, um I read an article where a woman spoke with them to just make a uh, Tarzan uh, keep books clean poster. <laughs> and they're like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Go for it. That, that's lovely. Yeah. They, so, and I heard the same thing with uh, making an animated film. They're like, yeah, that sounds fine. They're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. one of those <laughs> trademark companies that they're pretty. Just respect that we own the trademark, but then, yeah, you as, as long as you run it past us first, yeah, you can do what you want with it. Yeah. That's cool. They're, they're pretty um, good. Fairly, fairly easy going as far as that. Uh, usually, those companies that have something no people want, mm-hmm. a little more, they have a little more of a death grip on it. Oh yeah, yeah. ain't that the truth? <laughs> especially, especially considering Disney, yeah, and the way that they handle copyright and trademark. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I mean, the, I, I don't know if payment is involved. I mean, payment could be involved. For something like this, I imagine it would, but, yeah. you know. Um, now, Kevin Lima said this experience was amazing because everyone was in tune with each other. Um, like, they, he said, I would, someone would suggest something, and we'd be like, yeah, that's great. And then someone would suggest something else, and then we'd be like, yeah, that's amazing. It, everyone was all on board. It was a very apparently a very positive experience for all the animators. That's very you gotta, cool. You kind of get that sense when you're watching it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Yeah. And Kevin Lima's fingerprints are all over this. Um, actually his co-director uh, Buck said early on, Kevin did the sketch of Tarzan's hand inside the hand of Kala, the female gorilla who adopts him. That's become our t- visual touchstone. That was the emotional beat we wanted to convey. Mm. So uh, another thing too is um i'm gonna get into i'll just discuss the music like just sort of touch upon it just to explain why it came into be why we have phil collins 
doing the music rather than the typical Broadway that Disney yeah. usually does. Yeah. Um, well, well, you know, originally they were, they asked him uh, to just at the very beginning of the movie, have a line of drums and just go. But they said, he said it would cost like a million bucks. So they said, anyway, continue. Well played, sir. So um, here, this is a great back and forth. I, I really like this. This was actually in the uh, an article by the Chicago Tribune. Uh, Kevin Lina says, I did not want Tarzan to sing. I just couldn't see this half-naked man sitting on a branch, breaking out into song. I thought it would be ridiculous. <laughs> to which his co-director uh, jokes, really? I do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Phil Collins, um, had a career before this. It's <laughs> what? Are you sure? Well, it's, it's kind of like that whole joke where Donny Osmond sang a song for Mulan and his kids thought that's how he became famous. Oh yeah. <laughs> in, in this case, uh, so Phil Collins was the drummer for Genesis and then actually had a very sex successful, uh, solo career in the eighties. Um, I know nothing of Genesis. I don't know any of their songs, but even as a little kid, a fantastic band. <laughs> I, I haven't heard. Well, I'm definitely a fan. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I haven't heard the music, their music before. I probably should like look into it. It seems yeah, that's like, just worth a look. You may have heard them and just not known it was them. True. I was looking at like the name of titles and everything. I'm like, this none of this sounded familiar to me. But <laughs> yeah. I, I can look into it. But I did know. A lot of songs from Phil Collins' career, like yeah, yeah. Especially as a little kid, like as I got older, I was like, oh, the Tarzan guy sang this song and this song and this song. Um, <laughs> like I mean, I mean, I, I had parents uh, from the eighties, so he sang like Susu Studio, In the Air Tonight, uh, One More Night. So. Tonight, tonight, tonight. A lot of a lot of nights in this song. Yeah, he's a very night person. I'm suddenly reminded of the the brothers Chaps when they made a limousine for Homestar Runner, and they had the song "Today Is All Right for Tonight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about that. The '80s were all about that night aesthetic. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so, because they didn't want like Tarzan just singing, they wanted a more fresh take, something a bit different. And they, after Lion King, had Elton John bring a more pop music feel to their movie. They thought, oh, why don't we try that, but in a different way? So again, it, they were trying to do something unique, and Disney says, okay, we'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> we'll allow your creativity. We'll allow your creativity. We understand where you're coming from. We'll, we'll allow it. Um, we'll do that for you, Phil, in lieu of you, of lieu of licensing that one drum part. <laughs> uh, yeah. The funny thing also about uh, the music is, uh, it almost sounds like Phil Collins made an album and they picked songs from it that matched it. <laughs> no. I, I, yeah. Oh. oh when, we, when we get into the movie, I'm going to talk about this. I, <laughs> I will talk about this. Um, geez. Uh, I, I, there's some other stuff um, I want that's from behind the scenes, but you know what? I kind of want to save it for when it pops up. Okay. Just, just to give some background. That's fair. Um, how, did it, how did it do? Uh, so, budget... 130, uh, 130 million, like I said. Um, their box office altogether, 448 million. That, wow. It, it's good. Not it's bad. not It's not great, but it's... it's By good. Disney standards, yeah, because they had smash, smashing smash hits before that. I don't know. 
at that time, the only thing that was bigger than it, I think, was Lion King. I think so. Yeah, it wasn't didn't. Yeah, that's what the Wikipedia I think said. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we should know this. We've done our homework. It's I, more just like like a. To, to refresh everybody's memory, when we did the Lion King episode, we did talk, look at those numbers, and they were it was an, it was insane, if I recall. Like, wasn't it like by the end of it, it was almost like a billion or something? Yeah, like something that? along those lines. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I yeah. Mean. No. The the that movie that was the little movie that could to a degree. Mm-hmm. And this is when we say a billion. This is at the end of like being re released in theaters multiple times. And yeah. Yeah. International, and this is we're talking international, and inter- too. but this with this, it, it's still it's still a success in Disney's mind. It's still, oh, yeah. Um, but for some reason, there was nothing about like Disney saying we were disappointed or we were so happy. It was it was just like, yay, we got <laughs> we made back our money. Um, there is an impression that it is kind of the top of the hill, mm-hmm. and this is right before you're about to go down the drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, like there's a kind of a bottoming out sensation to Tarzan. I get that too. And I, maybe that's also just because uh, there's so much of the visuals in the movie involves moving quickly through jungles and like <laughs> yeah. freaking skateboarding Tarzan. Basically. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll get into yeah, that yeah. too. Um, so uh, in, the critics, it was mostly positive reviews. Um, but the yeah. one thing they kept coming, commenting about is how visually impressive it was. I, I'll once we get into the movie, I will talk about the animation. But I think when all those compliments on, look how visually stunning it is. Uh, I think it probably went into Disney's head a little bit, and they're like, oh, maybe we should go in the 3D route a little bit more. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm thinking. Because I, I, I still think that Tarzan should have an alternate title, uh, Tarzan. Of nipples, and, <laughs> uh, n- nipples and nostrils. <laughs> Damn, there's a lot of nipples and nostrils in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is one thing I want to bring up, and that's the Academy Awards. Oh boy, <laughs> I, I don't know this, so okay. Afraid. So I, I should just let you know it's the they did win one Academy Award, and. Uh, it w- and that was Phil Collins for um, "You'll yes, Be in My Heart." Oh, okay, okay. But I, I really love. So the best, the best original songs that year were just, just so good. That was the same year that uh, Blaine Canada from South Park. Oh yeah. Was nominated for an Academy Award, <laughs> and Trey Parker and Matt Stone came in dresses. <laughs> Yeah. They knew they would lose, but um, they didn't know they were. They were kind of surprised they lost to Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, mean, I mean, we've seen the clips. Robin Williams performs the song. Oh, yeah, that, at the Oscars, appara- which is amazing. It, it is a I, it, for all those. Um, if you can watch watch, um, if you want to watch a YouTube clip of the Academy Awards, I would recommend watching Robin Williams sing "Blame Canada." It is fantastic. <laughs> I do remember that. I mm-hmm. uh, that was that was pretty uh, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I just find that so fascinating. And also uh, for older viewers out there, I would recommend just watching Trey uh, Trey and Matt 
talk about their experience at the Academy Awards <laughs> of them wearing dresses and tripping on acid. <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing. Okay, sorry. I, I this no, that's fine. Um, so that's I, I think that's a pretty good look at the movie itself, honestly, or the history mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into your your guys's personal histories? I mean, sure. I don't mind. Well, one thing I want to say is, I guess I understand why Phil Collins gets kind of the 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 dad rock vibe. But, but I've always liked Phil Collins. <laughs> no, I, I have too. Like I said, I it was like, oh yeah, I grew up with these a lot of these eighty songs that he sang. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, David, let's hear your experience. Okay, um, so I saw the movie in theaters, and I remember it was super inspiring to me as a, as a kid because I think what the visuals of it were so eye-popping and the animation was so fluid. I remember the movie being more about style than substance as a kid and I almost didn't, and I didn't care. Like the movie was just that good looking of a movie and that emotive. And there was just, I remember walking away from that feeling pretty pumped. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, Some of the music really stuck with me and actually inspired. Uh, There were some lines in there that were for some reason, I'd hear them on like the radio and I'd be like, these are good, like separated from the movie. So like, you know, that was something else too. But I, I, um, I had a VHS copy of it, but only because I taped it off of TV one time. <laughs> uh, I think they showed it on Disney channel or something, but I taped I it. Had TV. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so I, I might still have that tape somewhere. I don't know, but, but I only, I've only seen it maybe a handful of times, like all the way through this maybe is like my, maybe fourth or fifth time seeing the movie all the way through, like, to be honest. And uh, coming back to it, it's like, I can definitely see, um, I can definitely see some of the, you know, places where it's a little rocky, but I still get that feeling when I watch it of, of being in the theater when I was, you know, younger and seeing these things on the big screen and being wowed by it and, and wowed by the, you know, the scope of it. So that was what, um, that's my takeaway from it. I, I generally have a positive uh, positive feeling about this one, even if looking at it now, maybe my opinion's a little jaded. I can't shake myself. It's kind of, I was telling Kayla this actually, I'm a sucker for animated jungle movies. The Jungle Book is my, <laughs> is one of my all-time favorite Disney animated movies. And I think yeah. part of it is because of the setting and the way that they draw jungles and then the visuals with the animals and stuff. There's something really appealing about that. And, you know, longtime listeners who have heard our Jungle, jungle uh, Book episode know that I adore the jungle book and i think i the reasons i like tarzan are for a lot of the reasons i liked the jungle book and that's just this there's something appealing about a movie in the jungle in a you know yeah you know lush environment jungle book is top three disney films for me Mm -hmm. so it's i I totally feel you on the uh that that love of that kind of all the color and definitely a big part of jungle book was the music Oh, the music. See, oh, now I will, I will say, I'll say this much. So I know that the score in this one was done by uh, Mark Mancina. Yes. Who, uh, one of my favorite scores for him is the, is I think despite how people feel about the, the Haunted Mansion movie, Mark Mancina's score in that movie is like mwah, chef kiss. It's beautiful. He takes, <laughs> he takes, you know, grim, he I, takes the grim grinning ghosts motif and remixes it throughout that movie in this, this like ex- fantastic way so i'm I'm overdue to re-watch that movie because I, <laughs> I remember watching it and being like it's off it's totally off 
But visually and the sound, it was not a bad film. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's things I like about it and there's things I don't. And I think Story the things I really like about it were the, but well, that's another movie, that's another yeah, podcast. That's- <laughs> but you know what, Sandy? Take a note, because we, we could always sit down and talk about the, watch and talk about the Haunted Mansion sometime, too. That'd be a fun one. <laughs> but yeah, so, but, but um, the score is, you know, it's, it's fine. It works for the movie, and there's even bits of the score that I remember, particularly, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up when we talk about the movie. But um, the Jungle Book has this, this score that's so haunting, it like sticks with me, especially the overture at the beginning oh, yeah. with that bass uh, clarinet or that flute, that well, bass flute. We actually played, like, a, play, not the actual version from the movie, but a jazz cover at our wedding. Um, yeah, that's right, the of the overture. <laughs> so yeah, I'm with you on the music when it comes to the Jungle Book. So, um, so yeah, what about, what, about, what about you, Sandy? So, uh, you know, when you guys asked me to do this, we were kind of unsure of which movie I would help you with. And I'm really glad we chose this one because I forgot how much history I have with Tarzan. Uh, it's, it's weird because it, it kind of lines up with a lot of uh, synch- synchronicity. Synchronicity? Synchronicity? Um, I was really big into Disney films. Little Mermaid, I was a huge fan of. Uh, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. I was, I, I mean, I was a teenager, you know, preteen in the golden age. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, it kind of topped off at Lion King, where I was so into them. I was 14 when that movie came out. And I was just obsessed with it. <laughs> Drawing pictures of lions, all that stuff. I just loved the movie. But the funny thing is, unlike a, a lot of people because most people just love that movie still it kind of i grew out of it like i'm not nearly as big a fan of lion king as i used to be um i think it was weird being so into that movie because i was very excited about uh fantasia 2000 because that was in you know coming down the line and i was like okay where is it i want to see this i'm so excited about this film and then they said, oh, Tarzan's coming out. And I'm like, Tarzan? I do not want to watch an anime. <laughs> Tarzan. We just got Lion King. So it felt like a weird kind of rehash. Like we've already seen the scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was not that into Tarzan. I didn't really, I was kind of getting, you know, I was 15, 16. Uh, I was starting to kind of get out of it. Um, the funny thing is, I did not watch it in the theater. I totally missed that. Uh, I saw it way later, like even after the movie came out. And I was, I think I was about 18 when I saw it. And it was kind of my coming of age. You know, I was, uh, kind of got my freedom. I was way late to get my, my license to drive. And the first thing I wanted to do is like, okay, I got my car. I'm going to take a one man road trip and I'm going to go down the coast of California. I'm going to visit friends. I'm going to go to Disneyland for like five days. And before, (laughs) before I left on that, that road trip, which ended up being like, I was gone for like two months. Oh, wow. Fun, fun trip. But I remember I watched Tarzan for the first time before I took that trip. And I remember how much I got into it because I felt like, the movie really, it was a young man's journey. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I, I really, uh, at the time, uh, could relate 
to what he was going through. I was kind of an outcast, kind of, kind of a weird kid. I had the long hair, so I even looked like him. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I bought the soundtrack, and I listened to it like a ton on my trip. So I'm just like driving through San Francisco, like listening to like Son of Man, and, uh, <laughs> you know, having this good old time. So it, it meant a lot to me in that in that capacity. You know, I could just it, it felt like the hero's journey. And I could get, since I saw it right before I left, I could kind of relate to it. Uh, the other funny thing is years, years later, when I finally uh, started working at Disneyland, First, I was in stores, and I was Jungle Cruise skipper, and then I was uh, friends with Crush, uh, Turtle mm-hmm. Talk. <laughs> and um, I remember when I was working for World of Disney, they would have you go to Pin Trading, which is a separate, separate store, and then they would also have you work at uh, Marceline's, which is the candy store in downtown Disney. And I had a shift over there, and it was during the D23, the big convention big Disney one. And, uh, I was working down there and I was just talking to people as they came through. It was super busy and this, this blonde lady and her, uh, you know, teen son, uh, came in. I was talking to him about movies. Oh, what are you here for? Oh, we're at the convention. And, uh, I asked, Oh, well, uh, what are you most interested in? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, we're, we're kind of guests here because, uh, my husband, the woman said is, uh, Chris Buck. Oh. Yeah. And they were super sweet. And we talked to him for a while about Frozen and about Tarzan and the other projects he'd worked on. So that's another weird connection I have to the movie is I got to meet them. How cool is that? But but as far I mean, I'm going into all this weird like history of, of how it impacted me. But the movie itself, it's one of those movies where I definitely enjoyed it, but after I watched it a bunch of times and listened to the soundtrack in like my early twenties, I hadn't touched the movie until now. Mm. Like I, I kind of forgot about it. Oh yeah. I remember really liking that film. So when I sat down and watched it again, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't, I don't think it's, you know, this amazing work of art, but it's a simple story. And I think it, uh, it, it has its moments, you know? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Kayla. Um, I, the, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. So, uh, as we mentioned much earlier that, um, I was born November 17th, 1989, which was the exact same day Little Mermaid came out in theaters. Yeah. Uh, I moved to California in June of 1999. I don't know the specific date, but whenever I've had to write down like, oh, how long have you lived in California? Like there's been a couple of times I've had to fill out a form and it says, how long, when, what exact day did you move to California? I put down uh, the date Tarzan came out June 18th, 1999. <laughs> Just so, uh, cause in my mind, it's like, Oh, I, my whole life in Washington is basically the Disney Renaissance. <laughs> that's, that's one way to measure it. Yes. Um, but I, uh, because it, it came out during a time when I, a very significant part of my life when I moved to a different state and started a new school and all that. Uh, it, it is very, uh, like the m- marketing is more big in my memory. Like I do remember Disney Channel talking about the behind the scenes, like them interviewing <coughs> Tony Hawk and all that. And yeah. um, the, then everyone's like, we're going to do Tarzan rocks at Disney World. Like that was very <laughs> apparent to me. Yeah. Um, 
during that time. I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or not. I assumed I did, but I don't remember. Um, but I, I have, I did watch it like at that time. Um, I watch it a few times. I, I was okay with it. I was just, I didn't think much of it. Um, the only thing that stuck with me and I think the reason, and actually I do know the reason why. So, uh, I danced, um, throughout middle school and high school. And one of the songs that I had to do a dance to was trash in the camp. And I will, I'll tell you that, um, most dancers will tell you this. If you are forced to learn a song over and over and over, eventually you listen to it enough and it sticks with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a funnest song anyway. Yeah, it really is. And that song did stick with me. And I genuinely love that scene. I genuinely do love that song. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I really do. Because I think because I had to do a dance to it and uh, the dance, the dancing we had to do was like, very animalistic and all that. Um, It it just connect. It's like one of those things like, Oh, I connected with it. Also another thing I should let you know, this, uh, this, uh, the dance, the reason I had to learn this dance was through uh, magic music days at Disneyland. So uh, one of the dance people at Disneyland taught us that. How cool. Yeah. So wow. Another reason why. Positive memory uh, equated to that film. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, Tarzan wasn't something that I watched often. And it was one of those films that didn't pop up enough in my life to make much of a difference. Um, I mean, I, I might be wrong, but sometimes I feel like it's almost like the princess story, but with Tarzan as the princess. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe that was part of it. It was a little harder to like relate to because it's just this dude swinging around. I don't think that was it because um, yeah. I, I can tell you like there are some later movies that I really clicked with, like Lilo and Stitch. I clicked with, um, which is not a typical Disney princess movie. Uh, same with. Um, uh, I, I just mean having like uh, a male character that's like pretty much the only thing happening in it. Like with, with Lilo and Stitch, there's like all this, you know. That's true. A little more narrative, a little bit more going on. It's like interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, you, it's like you said earlier. It's, it's, a, it's a very simple story. It is. It is. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, maybe, maybe there's a demographic shift for some people. Um, but, you know, I, I, the interesting thing is, is thinking about this. I never found the, the prince-princess male-female dichotomy a, a, an issue uh, when I was a kid for enjoying any of these movies, honestly. No, I just like, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, but same here. I, there's a lot of Disney films that I loved growing. I, it's because I say this because Beauty and the Beast is my favorite all-time Disney anime film. And I know technically it's a Disney princess film but it's also a really good movie. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I, I hope I didn't sound like I was putting down the idea of the Disney princess, like as a story. Cause no, honestly, I think most of them are fine. Yeah. No, no, no. I, but I get what you mean. Um, there is this kind of pressure, especially at that time where it's like, Oh, these are girl movies. These are boy movies. And it's yeah. like, Oh, because, and Tarzan did come across as more of a boy movie and we're going to appeal to the boy demographics. It and- did feel like they were trying to do that. Mm-hmm. They were like, Oh, we got all these, you know, stories 
for little girls. Well, we, how do we make a, a boy movie? Well, who's got a, a boy character? Aladdin is, you know, good, but what else do we have? And they were like, oh, Tarzan, that's, maybe the boys will like that. <laughs> I'm just, just thinking a possibility of a think tank they would be having. No, and that's completely possible. Um, actually, l- later on, as we see throughout this journey, um, they tend they start to tend to go towards the younger male demographic um, with like Atlantis and Treasure Planet. Yeah, that's definitely true. Oh, I mean, why don't, why don't you know, now that we're kind of delving into theory territory, why don't we actually talk about the, the, the movie itself, start talking about the, the, the arc of the movie? Because, because man, does this movie start off with a bang, like kind of literally because it, the very first thing we see is a burning ship. And uh, we see Tarzan's parents escaping this burning ship in a in a um, like a, a, a dinghy, a lifeboat with um, with baby Tarzan aboard. Um, and you know, I'm, obviously, the, the very first thing we see is that is that great tracking shot where it just zooms in on the rock, and then Tarzan just explodes out of it. It's like, it wastes no time. We are here, and this is Tarzan. But I like I the I like the framing of this opening sequence where it keeps kind of contrasting between Tarzan's family being shipwrecked, surviving this fiery shipwreck, uh, washing ashore on the coast of Africa and, and bring, you know, you know, building a life there in this treehouse. While meanwhile, we intercut with uh, Kala Kerchek and the gorilla troop and their yeah. baby and the life that they have. I did like that. I thought that was really nice. Uh, I mean, it, it felt like, it was a smooth way of kind of bringing people into that obvious, obviously the story is about humans and animals being very similar and family is not about, you know, the outside, it's about the inside. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I felt that was a good way to just show that right off the bat. Right. And the animation is gorgeous. Um, Okay. I need to give some background. So uh, yes, the animators were flown to Kenya to, make this to get some insight into creating a rainforest slash jungle feel, which they nailed. And not only that, um, uh, uh, so uh, CGI supervisor, Eric Daniels was hired to create a 3d jungle that would accommodate the two dimensional characters. The process was called deep canvas. And this allowed animators to paint these backdrops that feel like Disney, but still in a computer. And for the most part, it works and it mm-hmm. looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is pretty seamless. Too bad Phil Collins kind of ruins it. <laughs> okay, I'm so- <laughs> Now let me, I, I should. Okay, let me, I'll explain. Let me explain. <laughs> I'm listening. I like these songs. Don't get me wrong. On their own, I actually genuinely do like them. There's, there should have not been this song. This song should not be playing during this part. I, and the reason why is, why is he singing what they're doing? I don't <laughs> need it. Like, there's a point yeah. where you see, okay, like, there is a point where it gets quiet, and then, like, um, uh, Kala's baby, the gorilla, is killed. The mother's by tears. And I'm like, no. She's crying now. <laughs> I'm so mad. That made me so mad. I'm like, you ruined a like very sensitive moment. It what? does turn it into a bit of a commercial. It does. It feels like a, a, a Hallmark special for a bit. Oh, it does. And it, I'm like, this is so not fitting at all. Like, it should not be here. This should have just been like a beautiful 
background music with no lyrics. Yeah, Why do we? Mancini's music is great. It's just the lyrics that make it seem really off. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, even like a good compromise would just to be have the chorus come in every so often, oh, you yeah. know, two worlds, one family. That's fine. Yeah. Like if that came in every so often, be fine with it. I don't, I hate the fact that the lyrics are seeing what exactly is happening. <laughs> no words can hide a mother's tears or something. <laughs> it's a bit on point. Yeah. Hand yeah. It's twisted. very much. Can I, can I say though, there's, there's one moment in here that it's not necessarily a musical moment, but there's one of my favorite transitions in the whole movie is you see the treehouse being built during the day and you get a long shot where it shows the treehouse uh, built from the timbers of the shipwreck. And you see that, you know, Tarzan's parents putting it together, but it's a long shot. You see the sun is on the like right side of the frame. Briefly, it superimposes uh, Sabor the leopard over so that his, his right eye, or maybe it's his left eye, his left eye is the sun. That yeah. While the leopard is there, it transitions to a night shot now his left eye is the moon. And then when he fades away, it's a long shot of the jungle, but that moon is still hanging in the sky. I'm like, ooh, that's a good way to introduce that's, one of the villains. Yeah, and, and really says a lot in a lot of uh, symbolism. In mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good symbolic moment. And, uh, you know, danger's no stranger here is said in the, you know, lyrics. Look, there are... don't know, Phil Collins will let you know. Okay. <laughs> Phil Collins needs to make sure oh you know. Oh, my God. No, I just... have, like, Randy Newman doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made it fresh. coming after, baby. Leopards, delighted, like I realize that humans, they don't really make a difference. <laughs> Look, and they're actually... Look at he's handsome now. <laughs> there are actually some montages that do work very well with some of the Phil Collins song. Like when, uh, like when that's going to come up soon. Actually, is pre- is very well done. Yeah, Son of, Son of Man is great. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And then, but there's another. There's another one that happens. The, this that, movie has a lot of montages. This is only montage number one. Yes. It, this is how we we're introduced to these these characters and. Um, <laughs> I think I think that was the first note that I wrote. A lot of montages, <laughs> <laughs> and they're all they're all over over sung by Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Phil Collins is the mo- king of the montage. Yeah, 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 it's a little bit of an '80s vibe in a late '90s movie. Yeah, which is not a bad thing necessarily, unless you're spelling everything out with the lyrics. Yeah. I, I, there's a there's a few songs. I will where agree that with ha- you there, even though I like the I like the music. No, the song is good on its own. I, <laughs> on its own, it's fine, but during the scene, it's a little too heavy handed. So we can we can <laughs> oh, agree. We, so, <laughs> we can agree with you, Kayla. Don't okay, worry. Cool. We can agree oh, with yeah. you there. And there's a few other songs that this happens, and I'm just like rolling my eyes to the back of my head during those. But then there are a couple others where it's like, it's fine, yeah. but you're right. It should have been just the music itself, no lyrics, and occasionally him singing uh, Two Worlds, One Family. Yeah. And that would have been lovely. But I want to I want to frame every background of this movie because my goodness, every frame's a painting, it feels like. <laughs> like, not all yeah. of them. Like you said, there's a couple wonky ones where the CG is kind of, uh, is a little yeah. noticeable, and we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. But, like... For most of it, it comes out pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not going to fault it because even though some parts are wonky, it's 1999. Yeah. And they were working on this in like 97, 98. Yeah, relatively new technology. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I know there'll uh, there'll be people like, but look at Toy Story. They did that in 95. <laughs> Have you seen Toy Story? It did not <laughs> age it well. It does not age well. <laughs> it's, it's rough. And you forget how rough it is until you sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my gosh. One, one thing I thought was funny, though, about the very beginning, the intro, and I actually, I haven't really watched too, uh, listened to too many of you guys' podcasts, but I did listen to a little bit of the rescuers down under one and i realized that these both starts similar it's oh yeah yeah jungle sounds slowly you know just moving forward through the jungle and then bam there's the title oh, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh that's a great point that's true make sure to duck here comes the title <laughs> <laughs> and i listened to that over and over again when i was little i'm like yeah <laughs> I love the I love the beginning of that movie. Oh, that's a crazy I still have a, I still love the rescuers down under. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Can, can, but, we're gonna have to talk about Kala hears a baby crying and go, actually runs toward the uh, treehouse. This is how we don't know how long this has been since her baby died. I presume pretty soon. Like mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah, recent. I always assumed it was pretty pretty uh, recent. Well, considering so, I guess Sabor was still hungry because he decides to go kill uh, Tarzan's parents, and this. This scene is all done silently for the most part when she gets there. And it it creeped me out so much as a kid to see, because you actually see their corpses. You actually see Tarzan's parents slumped over in a corner. You don't see see them very well, but they're they're lying face down. And it's footprints and bloody footprints too. Yeah, they're they're dead. We saw, the sad part is we saw them. We saw them together. We saw them be a team. We saw them build the treehouse and raise their kid. And we, then we're cut away from them for a bit. We come back, they're dead. And they, for having <laughs> five seconds of screen time, you actually kind of like these people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, they, I do. I like them. And you can actually, what's great is I re- I'm watching it, I'm like, you can see the, the family resemblance. Like Tarzan looks like his dad. Oh, yeah. He's well, got the same face shape. I'm not sure if maybe I'm getting into this too soon, but you do know about the whole Frozen... Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, do. I, I was I, really, really hoping that was true, but the sequel, uh, Second Frozen, kind of broke that. We, mm. we haven't seen it, by the way. We haven't seen the Second Frozen. Okay, well, I'm not giving away anything, but that's fair. Certain things that happened in that movie show that that it's that was that history was impossible. Yeah, it's a cute it's a cute idea though that I always kind of thought was like, oh, that's fun. I loved it. I love the idea. I so, mean, uh, I actually when I first heard it, I I when I was watching Frozen, I just imagined that Tarzan was their long-lost brother. <laughs> For those who don't know, the theory is that um uh, Tarzan's parents are actually uh, on an Elsa's parents that traveled by boat and they just happened to have had a son while traveling and then got lost at sea. And then, yeah. We never do find out what happened to that ship or the rest of its crew. I presume they all freaking died. Well, oh, yeah. fire. There well, was we, probably a huge gunpowder explosion. You do find that out in Frozen. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's okay. what I mean. Okay, we, we fair, fair enough. Well, uh, the, the other thing is... Um, there, there, oh, Chris Buck. Well, he directed Frozen as well. Right. That would explain. I mean, that explains the connection. I do remember that that detail. So I've I've always been a big fan of directors making one world out of their fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm totally cool with that headcanon, honestly. And I know that he kind of he he very coyly talked about that was something in the back of his head when he did that. So um it's it's very dark I, that's one thing i remember about tarzan it's it, there's some bits in here that are very like 
more brutal to take in for a movie that is, you know, intended for families. Like to me, just, I, I've never seen like the thing where you just outright see the parents, the aftermath of a, of a, of a mat mauling. An animal mall. Yeah. And, and I know it's, it's not also, particularly graphic, but it's just, it's chilling to me. I cannot get that image out of my head as a kid. It's just seeing those two bodies slumped in the corner together. I didn't, I didn't really remember it when I was younger, but when I watched it recently, I was kind of shook by it. I was like, wow, that's, that's more intense than I remember. Yeah. And the other thing is not, not to downplay any sort of animal death in Disney films. Yeah. But we have had that with Lamb Before Time. Not a Disney film, but, you know. Mom dies, Bambi dies, Bambi's mom dies. But this was one of the first times when we actually have humans die pretty much and show it. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the, that to me, it's, it's the showing. Because, you know, Bambi's mom dies off screen. Well, Lion King, that was the big one. Oh, well, that, that was chilling too, though. Yeah, honestly. that was absolutely seeing, chilling. But... Seeing little Simba try to make Mufasa get up. And, you but know, can you it's... imagine, I mean, as, as heartbreaking as it is, it would have been even kind of weirder and darker if they had, if it had been a human yeah. yeah so to me to me see to me that there's a bit of tonal whiplash in this scene when kala is kind of bonding with the baby tarzan who she finds and they're having this moment where they're like interacting i'm like i feel like this would have been better like it's it's a sweet moment it's like okay i get it but i'm still hyper aware of the fact that over off screen in the corner are <laughs> the cooling corpses of tarzan's parents <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and possibly this this psychotic leopard is just gonna kill everything. Oh yeah! Speaking of which, it's just hiding in the rafters, watching them do this, and then it pounces on them. Yeah, that's it's terrifying. And the other thing that's dark about it, they don't show it. It's one of those off screen off screen deaths. But I realized when I watched it, when Kala's baby gets killed, yeah, they almost never have kids. Like kids don't get killed in Disney films. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> It's parents, you know, and then the kid moves on. But in this one, they had to, I mean, she finds, you know, we all know the story, but that was pretty dark, too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Ruined by Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> Your baby's gone. I know. Shut up. Like, oh, oh, look, do you want me to do it or should I get Randy? Randy, you want to be? Oh, yeah, I can do this part. <laughs> it's not even Randy. It's just it's Will Sasso playing Randy. You ran behind a bush, buddy. Don't come back. Just you a job coming on. Put another cigarette. Puts another cigarette. But, yeah, there's a whole action scene between Kala and protecting the baby Tarzan and with uh, Sabor. Um, is it just me or did someone tell them you need an action scene like every so often? <laughs> I think that was the boy demographic they were trying to sell to. Yeah. Well, Kala does a good job. It's a fun action scene. Uh, again, I feel like it's, um, <laughs> I feel like it's very, um, it's weird that that little Tarzan is so oblivious to everything going on, but it's still kind of funny at the same time. I think it's funny also how when he gets dropped and he's rolling down the netting, that they're like like foreshadowing the arrival of nets in in the like play zone. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that, but the, wow, good, that is a good point. <laughs> hey, you know that uh, net the tiny uh, baby Tarzan rolled down trying to escape from the leopard? Well, you can climb it at the new Disney. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, either way, um, either way, Kala Kala holds her own against this um, this leopard, and yeah, she's, she's badass. Yeah, oh, she yeah. is, and she gets away. I love the way that she uses the boat as the getaway, and gets and is able to kind of get um, Sabor tangled in like the the rigging hook. I, I the the ingenuity behind this treehouse does kind of you know echo back to um, you know the Swiss Family Robinson, mm-hmm. which you know, is eerie because later that treehouse would replace the Swiss Family Robinson at Disneyland. But there's still a Swiss Family Robinson treehouse at Walt Disney World. I have no doubt that, because it's Kevin Lima, that he's like, ooh, what if we have a Swiss Family Robinson treehouse? And they're like, (laughs) yeah, sure. He's like, yay. (laughs) He he has a habit of putting little Disney references. And I, watching the film, I realized how apparent it was. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, everybody knows about the Mrs. Potts and Chip scene. We, we can all see uh, yeah. it. That's not that, it's not that surprising. But there's other parts that come up too that you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's a Disney reference. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, obvious Jungle Cruise reference in Trash of the Camp is pretty pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah. There's another one later on um, uh, well, where... The Sailor's... Well, the sailors, yeah, for sure. But also, I was thinking of there's a bit where uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But when when one of the gorillas steals Clayton's gun and is holding it up and looking down the barrel, and I right. immediately thought of the gorilla scene in the, the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> I'm always a big fan of linking the animated movies to the park. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. same, same, same. Um, so Kala gets away with the baby and takes it back to to the um, to the gorillas. Uh, We're introduced more properly to to Kerchek, who is sort of the troop leader, the uh, alpha male a good actor too. Oh, so what? The such voice a good, uh, Lance Henriksen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. nope. Um, Kerchek's a little bit. Uh, Kerchek, I have problems with. He's a little bit of a one note character. He's very just. I'm here to be the the stern disproving figure that is never going to have a lot of a character arc until the very end of the movie. Which is, it's undeserving, but we will get into that. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. He's very one note. I feel like, yeah. but I mean, the voice actor carries it very well. And I think if, he does what he can. Yeah. If the story would have allowed him to actually have a connection with Tarzan in one way, like, like finally accept him and then there is a relationship maybe like only to have that trust broken later seemingly broken would be would make much more of an impact in my honest yeah but he is definitely more background more obstacle than than character yeah Yeah. i do i do think it's i do like the conversation he has with kala about you know you know he's not going to replace the one we lost and she's like i know that but that's not what i'm trying to do he just he needs our help i mean obviously they're going for a kind of Almost, almost the the uh, uh, speciesism mm-hmm. of someone who's different. They're coming into the family, and a lot of people who believe that way are pretty two dimensional thinking anyway. Yeah, so I, I feel like they captured that kind of coldness well. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. Um, Kerchek is a little bit like you know what he reminds me of in a weird way is like the dichotomy that's going on in Tarzan between say the, the you have the two sort of opposition forces you've got Kerchek on the gorilla side who's not a villain he's just he's just an obstacle kind of like what what you're saying on the other side you've got Clayton who is very much reminds me of like Ratcliffe yeah and and Kerchek is kind of like po- uh, Chief Poetan and yeah. it's the it's it's the 
it's the dichotomy of, or the dynamic of Pocahontas kind of again, mm-hmm. sort of, but not Yeah, really. I see it. I can see it. But anyway, um, yeah. we haven't gotten, gotten to Clayton yet. Um, so, yeah. you know, one other thing I wanted to say was, I think that after Lion King and a couple of the other films we'd seen, Aladdin, you know, the, the Golden Age stuff. Yeah. I think people were a little thrown by how hyper-realistic this movie is. That, I mean, the animation is staggeringly fluid in my opinion. Oh, like, yeah. I, I love the animation in this movie. It's, it's gorgeous. And it and almost feels like it's an independent film. It, almost, in a weird because way. Because it's so different than, than the previous animated movies. But the, the weird thing is, especially later on, I can see the stylistic things that are carried over from other Disney movies, in particular yeah. with the, the, some of the, when the animals, more of the animals start showing up. So we haven't seen a ton of gorillas up until this point, you know, in Disney movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I forgot Kerchik's name. So me and my friend, when we were younger, we just call him Captain Forehead. Captain <laughs> Forehead. <laughs> um, it oh. was horrible, but boy, I laughed when he first said that. Oh, no, that's great. <laughs> oh, I, should have, I, I should bring this up. So um, first off, Carla is voiced by Glenn Close, weirdly enough. Yeah, another great performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young Kayla, so... Most people know my name is spelled weirdly. So whenever I see any semblance of my name when I was younger, I was like, oh my gosh, there's another Kayla. So I saw her name and I thought, it is only one letter off of mine. Yeah. And I was like, oh, her name's going to be Kayla. And then I turned so out to be Kala. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Damn it. It's fine. I don't really care now as an adult. But it's like young Kayla was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. If I ever hear the, the boy named Sandy, I always get excited. <laughs> it's like, <gasps> what? They exist. <laughs> um, now, who thinks? Now, this is going to sound a little. Uh, I hope this is okay for me to say. I think that Tarzan might be the sexiest Disney animated film. <laughs> because, okay, because you see his chest and all. That. Well, or, he's, a, he's wearing, he only wears a loincloth throughout the movie. It's very realistic. They got. Animated it basically a live, you know, athletic dude running around doing splits and stuff, you know, and and even his interaction with Jane. There's some very romance novel style. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like I mean, there's been sexual things in Disney films for a while. I mean, I I think probably the first is the the Infantasia, the Centaur Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's pretty, you know, racy for a Disney film. And even I think I think Ariel was probably the first one that had a cleavage drawn on, which was very surprising when I was young. I was like, what? Like what it almost didn't need to be there, but it was there. And I'm then not, you have uh, I'm going yeah. through our list of movies to see like uh if there is something because I actually, you know what? No, 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 no. Uh three caballeros actually does show a very sexy woman with cleavage. Animated woman? Uh, not, no, she was live action. Uh, no, oh, okay, but I mean animated. Yeah, now, an, an, okay, yeah, good point. <laughs> Three caballeros is just nothing but Donald Duck trying to hit <laughs> on women. <laughs> I'm now going through, yeah, I'm going through my list right now. Oh, well, no, does, do we see her cleavage um, in Ichabod Crane, like Katrina's cleavage? Not no. really. Like I'm going through. Kind of. I, oh gosh, I don't remember. Now I feel weird for pointing this stuff out. But no, no, no. Because no, it was going to get brought up anyway. Because like, okay, like 
ah, oh, there's so much we can be, be all over. Wait, you know, why don't no, we, why don't no, we... I can tell you, I can tell you. And it's so disturbing. Okay, okay. <laughs> the Great Mouse Detective. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one that sings, let me be good to you. And then later on says, hey, fellas, I'll take off all my clothes. I I have not seen that in a while. Now I, 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 that's why I missed it. Because that would have come up first. (laughs) I still stick to my belief that that, that Tarzan is the most uh, sexy Disney film. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, touchy-feely moments in this A lot of innuendo, too. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, okay. So I think we should, we might want to, we might want to fast track to some of those bits. Cause like, are, honestly, are we going to skip some the, the whole kid part where he's, well, the kid, kid part's okay. Cause like, honestly, so they're, so Kala and Tarzan have their first night and maybe that's when we get, yeah, we'll, be in we'll my get heart. back to the sexy stuff. We'll get back to the sexy stuff. We'll come yeah. back. We'll put a pin in that, put a pin in that as they say on our, on our, our sister podcast, uh, nothing new. Yeah. We'll, we'll put, put a, a pin, pin in that. that. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> with a, See, it's a big it's a sexy pin it's a sexy it's a pin up we're gonna put it's a pin, a pin up, up. <laughs> it looks like jessica rabbit yes oh jessica rabbit that's the first woman that has cleavage serious cleavage yeah like Did that come out before little mermaid yes that came okay. out in 1988 okay right before okay. It. i guess yeah. that was the era of them pushing that envelope mm-hmm. <laughs> 80s is 80s is a wonderful time um, so so you were gonna you were gonna say though because I was talking about the scene where they kind of where they start you'll be in my heart and then uh, it shows him as a kid but let's bring up um Turk uh, oh I forgot yeah. about Turk oh. a, definitely one of the most interesting characters in the whole thing so uh, <laughs> Turk uh, is voiced by Rosie O'Donnell who gets way worse a rap than she deserves for a lot of reasons I don't mm-hmm. understand why. Uh, we'll, we'll stick with her uh, role in the movie right now. So, um, Turk was originally supposed to be written as a male gorilla, but then Rosie O'Donnell auditioned for another role, and they loved her so much. They were like, no, you should be this character, and then they rewrote her as female. Now, in one sense, I kind of like that, the fact that uh, the main character has a female best friend. That's, yeah. that's kind of a unique thing, and I, I really do like that. Um, the annoyance level is above Mushu, but less than Gurgi with me with Turk. <laughs> you know, that's fair. I feel like uh, I feel like it's weird to hear a gorilla from the Bronx. Yeah. I actually had to look this up. I'm like, wait, is Rosie O'Donnell a New Yorker? And yeah, she is from New York. She was born in New York. The fun has arrived. <laughs> you know, uh, the other thing, and I... Correct me, delete this out even if you have to, because I'm not sure if I'm getting this right. But does anybody look at her as a early queer character? I don't think so. Not that I recall any, anyone bringing up. I think, I mean, everyone knew that Rosie O'Donnell was lesbian at that time, if I recall. But mm-hmm. if, um, so, it, But I don't think anyone ever thought, oh yeah, she's a queer character. It's just um, funny because she's uh, she he they. It feels like a they more than anything. I think it's again the character was written as male, and it was more of an accident than an actual. Yeah, like, and then they. Part. But it, I mean, she is referred to she throughout the whole movie. Turk is always considered female. I think okay. a lot of kids um, saw her as like a tomboy, and that and that's actually probably the best way to describe. Her. She's yeah, very overly. <laughs> 
in, in, in a uh, in an animated film that screams realism, she definitely is strange. Yes, um, and I think it's hard because her character is hard to pinpoint. Like she's overly confident. You can. Uh, she likes Tarzan, but she doesn't like Tarzan to start with. It's <laughs> yeah. the whole the whole thing is weird. I, I'm not. Sh- she, it's just obnoxious. I think that's the best way to describe. Uh, well, the the thing is, um, the other sidekick character that gets introduced besides uh, Turk during the during this part of the movie where we see him growing up, because it's like we're between montages. We're between baby Tarzan <laughs> and adult Tarzan. Yeah. Where we have a growing up montage later, and we have young Tarzan. And during this whole sequence where he's dared to go get an elephant's hair by Turk, who's trying to sort of pass off why he can't spend time with her and the other two gorillas mm-hmm. that are kids, um, yeah. we meet Tantor, young Tantor. And, um, Underrated. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd say so. I think young Tantor is adorable. He actually reminds me a lot of um, um, the, baby, uh, the baby elephant from uh, the Jungle Book. And actually, the elephant's <laughs> design, I'm like, oh my, this is straight out of the Jungle Book. They look like the Jungle Book elephants, Although I which is great. A the little reason- on the goofier side, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, oh yeah, definitely. I, I enjoy the conversation when they're talking about piranhas and they're like, no, no, piranhas are in South America. <laughs> oh yeah, that conversation's great. I think so. I, I, I do like adult uh Tontor, Wayne Knight. Yeah. Wayne Knight. So uh fun facts, uh he it wasn't originally gonna be Wayne Knight, it was gonna be Woody Allen. Oh my god. Yeah. Well I can but, picture that. Uh Woody Allen was supposed to be cast for this and he was actually hired. Um, but then uh, Petty Jeffrey Katzenberg said, "Hey, you want to do ants?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And they're like, "Well, we just lost our actors." And they brought in Wayne Knight, and I think Wayne Knight does a pretty good job. All I in all, I think Wayne Knight is great. I honestly think he's not in it enough for how funny he is. Yeah, I agree. I think I think this is what this is indicative of. What I think the main problem with both Turk and Tantor is they're built up to be like Tarzan's, you know, sidekicks, his buddies, but. They don't, they're like, the, they're supposed to be the, kind of like the Timon and Pumbaa of this movie. Yeah. And they don't get enough time to establish that, in my opinion. E- even though movie. we see them having a friendship, well, a meeting as kids. It's right. Not- Tur- Turks definitely got, Tur- they establish it with Turk a lot more. And then they have this first meeting during this whole fiasco with the elephants with Tantor. Yeah. Uh, and then later you see them all, you know, as as adults and they're still friends, but you don't, get a lot of time with the three of them as a trio. They like unlike Simba and Timon and Pumbaa, who you get that t- buildup of time with them and you get to like see their, their relationship. You don't get a lot of that with them. Tantor and Turk are what we call flashback friends. Yeah, yeah. there it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. So um, they're There's just... Also this, weird, this, this is a little off topic, not really. But when they're kids hanging around each other and that really, it's like, like a three minute scene of like the elephant and the gorillas and him. It uh-huh. feels like lamb before time. I, yeah, I actually like, do. Here are the kids. Here are the kids hanging out in the jungle doing, try, trying to figure out stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Cause this whole scene is to, you know, establish Turk and Tantor who I, again, I feel like they don't get to do enough in the movie to deserve some of the stuff that happens with them later. Mm-hmm. Like it's not earned. Um, yeah. and that's one of my big problems. I think they underutilized uh, Turk and Tantor as you know characters that we can care about as an audience. No, I agree. Um, or at least they're, they're, we care about their relationship with Tarzan. 
Um, I feel like it's also to set up the fact that even at a young age, Tarzan realizes I am different. And yeah. he, this is what, this moment is what gets him to be like, I'm going to be the best ape ever. I'm going to sh- prove myself. I, I, there is that moment after yeah. he gets scolded by Kerchik where he, he's at the pond and he starts trying to like throw mud on his face. So he looks more like a gorilla. Like that's that's, actually one of my favorite scenes. It's really sad. And I like it. That connection between him and Kala is beautiful. That's the, that's the good relationship in this movie. Like, like there, they get explored that relationship exquisitely. Oh no. I love Tarzan's relationship with his mother. It is pure and beautiful and it's realistic. Really real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like it doesn't feel like there's plenty of, like male female relations in film that just seem off or fake. This one just seems like they very, just very realistic. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. Cause like when he's an adult, there's a point where he's trying to scare his mother and she's like, don't even think about it. He's like, how do you, you know? It's like, I'm your mom. I know everything. <laughs> it, it's, it's a very playful back and forth, but you can see you'll just still see there's caring and everything. It, again, I like, I like that Kala has that moment. Where they're like, here's all the things that make us the same, not what makes us different. That's yes. what I yeah. focus on. That is a great, great thing. And and despite all its clunkiness, and maybe it being too short, maybe it kind of skipping scenes, it feels like sometimes. I feel like the main message is pretty well done. Yeah, I I I concur. There's that 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 message about, you know, there's that message about acceptance and you know. Listening. Family, family being on the inside and not about what people look like and how a lot of people have families that they don't get along with, but friends that become family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, family that's not necessarily blood, but is more, you're more connected to than your, you know, blood family. Like that I comes can, up. I mm-hmm. can imagine an adopted child would get a lot out of the story. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, definitely. And not um, feel like they're being talked down to. Either. It's uh, so good. Um, and actually, this leads to I think the one of the better montages in the movie, which is the Son of Man. Yeah, this montage. I, this, this is really good. This actually is very fitting. I yeah. I think it, for to have a pop song play, this is actually a good place to do it. Uh, it starts yeah. out rocking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just bobbing <laughs> your head. Um, and this is where uh, we start to see him grow into again the man he is. Son of man. Uh, <laughs> So, um, first of all, I should say this. Brendan Fraser tested twice. To, he auditioned <laughs> twice for this role. And really? then, yeah. And then he would go on to do George of the Jungle. Uh, or he's almost the exact same character, but in a comedy. Yeah. Uh, now, and one of the things uh, you both pointed this out is he surfs. Or he does kind of a surfing motion. Uh, that was he's he Sonic the Hedgehogging. His <laughs> well, okay, so that was Glenn Keane's idea because um, his son was a big fan of extreme sports, and he's like, "Oh, what if we get him surfing?" And he actually would watch uh, Tony Hawk uh, skateboard and use him for inspiration to draw. Uh, the animators were kind of scared, like, "Oh, he's going to be more like a surfer duty, is he?" And he's like, "No, no, no, let me show you." And then they saw the test, right, and they realized. Right. Uh, they saw the test and they realized, oh, this is not bad. Okay, we can work with yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, if anything, Tarzan just shows that he's just really good at parkour. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it it is a very well-animated scene, 
mm-hmm. but it simultaneously dates the film slightly. You, that that part does feel very trailerish too. Oh, yeah. that part where at the end where he's you know at the end of Son of Man where he leaps under the thing and looks over his shoulder. <laughs> I mean, nineteen ninety nine was all about the skateboarding and the extreme biking and the you know rollerblading mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, extreme. Extreme. Who's our? Um, by the way, now that we've, we're, we're finally to adult Tarzan at the end of this montage, who's the who's the voice? Who who voices Tarzan? Uh, it's Tony Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn. Okay, I think what they. Done? I, I I saw his picture, but I was like, I do not recognize him. I did not recognize him either. Um, I let me see what he's done. Okay. He does a fine job. Oh yeah, that's what I was. Well, I mean, I was going to compliment that. I think they got a really good, you know, actor for the the part of of Tarzan. And I almost think it was it's a good idea that they went with somebody who wasn't super well known. Yeah, I I mean uh, he might be, but then I'm, but then again we're drawing blanks on his. I think I looked his... him up on IMDb, and I don't think I remember seeing him in much. He was uh, Carl Bruner in Ghost, and I can't remember who that character is. <laughs> well, wait uh, with um. Back. Ghost with um yeah that ghost oh okay yeah uh uh not the heavy metal band <laughs> yes <laughs> I wish um, <laughs> he was a lead singer he was Papa Amaretus the fourth <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go somebody out there will get that reference <laughs> oh man no I I got the reference so thank you yes <laughs> do I get a banana <laughs> yeah, well if, if I could give you a a 3D uh, teleporting banana I would oh I wish. <laughs> Uh, oh, banana. Oh, he was Barry oh. in the Belco experiment. Um, oh. So he's, he's done some stuff. Okay, he's done, yeah. He's done a couple of things. It's not like anything big that I can, like I'm looking through it. I'm like, okay, I've seen these movies. I cannot remember him that it wasn't well. Like, it wasn't like getting Brad Pitt to do the part. No, no. This is clearly just a, uh, kind of like just a regular actor that got hired on to do stuff. Yeah. Um, he, he, not, not any major roles, but. Like uh, a lot of side characters for the fair, fair enough. Um, this is this is it's cool that he gets to be you know gets to be the voice of Tarzan. Um, and I'm trying to think what the okay so yeah so the, we this we've ended our second montage. We have Tarzan um, and uh, this five more, and, five more montages to go. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah. there's at least one more montage I can think of. But, uh, hmm. um, what happens here? This eventually what, this leads to him going. Like Sabor comes and he. Oh yeah, he sees Sabor off in the dis. He like sees Sabor off in the trees, and this leads into a fight with him. By the way, is it just me, or should the fight with Sabor should have uh, happened a lot later? Um, I actually had a discussion with Matt Holly about this because he'd also seen the movie. He agreed with us that Kerchak, I think, needed a little more depth, mm-hmm. but he also agreed that he thought Sabor should have been more of a looming threat throughout the movie. Like this, this, I this comes. So. It's a good fight, but it happens really early. This is—I think, I think they wanted Clayton to become the main villain, and I think honestly that was a thematic choice. Mm-hmm. Where they said the moment that he kills off the enemy of his his world, then he hears a gunshot from Clayton, Ooh. pretty much signifying the new enemy is from the other world. That's actually—I hadn't thought of that observation, but that is that is really astute, actually. Like That's the, the moment he kills. The the leopard, you hear the gunshot of Clayton. Yeah, that's right. He he lays the the leopard down at Kerchek's feet as like an offering. You, like, you know what should have happened though? I think Kerchek at this point should have been like shown some a form of acceptance or like 
even if just the most small begrudging like, format. You can tell he's about to before the gunshot interrupts. And it should, but the reason why I think it should have happened is that way you realize, oh, okay, he's now a part of the gorillas. Yeah. And there is now reason why Kerchak accepts him and why his sto- he actually feels like more of a character than just an obstacle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you probably could have done that and, and had him bond a little bit more with his family. But he mm-hmm. is still trying to, there is, when, when Kerchik doesn't accept him, it just makes it more difficult for him to convince the humans. He's kind of doing this tug of war of like, hey, there's these people, they're cool. But also, hey, people, this is my family and they're, they're all right. So I, I don't know if, if that, that struggle may have been more difficult uh, if, if Kerchik was just like on his side all of a sudden. I'm not saying it's true or not. I'm just saying maybe. I don't want to say on his side. I just want to, I think it's like, okay, you're like, just I can, I, okay. It was like, you saved my life. You killed a leopard. I'm a little more inclined to accept you, just but it's of, not, it's not, it's not even have to be like pure acceptance. It's just a little bit more like, you know, this letting is, down the wall, just a tiny, bit. the wall yes, comes down yeah. just a little. That would be great. Yeah. I could, yeah, I could see that. And, and then that way, that. when he's like, move out, that includes Tarzan as well. Like he, like he, like even looks at him saying, move out, like, let's move out. Yeah. So it, it feels like he is part of this group. And then that brings more tension when Tarzan is going back and forth. Cause it's like, Oh, I've just been accepted. He, it's just shown some acceptance, but now there's this, <laughs> these humans that exist. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking yeah, of humans. I mean, it, it might work that way because all of a sudden he's got this bond with his family. Things are looking up and then, then humanity comes along to kind of throw a monkey wrench in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I think, yeah. <laughs> I th- unintended. Ape wrench. I don't know. I, I do think. There are monkeys and apes. I, I so do think Sabor <laughs> should have been more of a looming threat. Cause this is still, here's, here's the thing. This, this creature still killed her baby and his parents. Like these are this creature is. Still he doesn't like, know Sabor killed his parents at this point. He's just defending the truth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I, one I, thing. I mean, we still, as an audience, know, so that gives it the weight it needs to. Yeah, uh, I feel like, um, I feel like thematically it works both ways, but I do think it would have been more terrifying to have Sabor just possibly out there. And they do a really good job making Sabor seem kind of soulless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have all these animals and humans, and they seem like like very uh, like they got a heart to them. Sabor is very just cold, calculating. Oh, absolutely! He's like actually an animal. Hmm. Um, could you imagine if there were if they, I'm glad they w- went with that just to make him seem vicious, just to make him seem like a killer, you know, a predator. Because um, could you imagine if it was a character like Shere Khan? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but I, honestly, if if it's um, I can actually, you bringing up the whole, it's now uh, human, human is the enemy. Yeah. Uh, I'm willing to accept that, but I do think if you're going to do that, I think Kerchak should have given, again, walls down a little bit. Still stern, still I, I agree tough, with but, you. No, I but, think you're right. But yeah, but the other thing Matt said, Matt agreed, was that he thought Sabor could have been carried through the movie a little longer. I'm okay with it happening this early because yeah, I think... You, I hadn't really thought about that connection, but you're absolutely right. One, one enemy out from the in, an enemy from out appears. Yeah, and the out yeah, enemy, it's, it's actually the first, the first human that Tarzan sees it, is Clayton. And I think actually that would have been even more satisfying. Like if, like Sabor's dead, 
he gets something out of it. Like it's finally some form of acceptance. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, like a reward. And then there's something there that might take that reward away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, uh, uh, you know, Clayton though, um, <laughs> this is the first time we see him and he's just clear cutting through the jungle with a machete and, uh, and blessed, right? Is that right? <laughs> Be yes. gone with him. <laughs> yep. That's him. That's the actor. Oh my gosh! It's oh man, <laughs> he does a great job as this as this uh, big game hunter character. But yeah, very uh, straightforward character. That's he's he. Uh, tell me, uh, Clayton's not really in the the annals of great Disney villains, would no, you say? He's about as two dimensional as a typical man would be in that era. Yes, he and and you know what? He, it's fine. It suffices for the movie, but. He's almost a more one-note character than Kerchik, so. <laughs> he is. He absolutely is. Because all he wants to do is make a profit off of being a big game hunter off these gorillas. He just and, wants to kill monkeys. That's all. He wants money for killing monkeys. And by God, he's going to do it. <laughs> he's, he's like, uh, 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 darn, I'm forgetting her name. Cruella DeVille, but with less personality. <laughs> yep. Oh, Yeah. He also is, he's, he's as trigger happy as um, Amos from uh, The Fox and the Hound when you think about it. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> it's yeah. even got the same like, sound effect when he shoots his gun a lot of the time. Although Amos does have a little bit more heart than him. Amos does. Amos is a more well-rounded character because he has an he has a little bit of a character arc. Clayton has no arc. Clayton is there to be oh, no, the threat. He's just <laughs> to get paid. Right. But luckily, right behind Clayton come, um, actually, uh, come Professor Porter and his daughter, Jane. Uh, Professor Porter is played by Nigel Hawthorne. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, actually, he is a Disney man. Um, you would have heard his voice as a Fluter Flam from The Black Cauldron. Oh, that's great. I thought oh, the voice Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's a little bit of an alumni. Yeah. I, you know, Fluter was one of those characters I've always, I liked in both the original Prydane books and in The Black Cauldron. I, I just, I, the voice acting helped. I just remember that moment. <laughs> he also has one of my favorite lines in Tarzan. Loincloth, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a great moment. Oh my gosh. Um, and and uh, what about Jane? Who is our, who Jane, is our Jane? That's Minnie Driver. Oh. Yeah. And I'd forgotten until I looked it up. And I'm like, holy crap, she's really good in this. Yeah, she is. Actually, so Dave and I both agreed. Jane and um, her father are one of the funniest characters in this movie. And Jane's character is surprisingly well-developed. I'm, really I'm glad they shocked. Gave her so much humor. There's so yes. much humor between her and the father. Actually, that's all Mini Driver. So Mini Driver... Um, uh, improvise quite a bit and actually a lot of the funnier dialogue is just her improvising yeah, so awesome. mm-hmm. i'm glad they let her do that because my goodness like there you know what's great is like if we're going to continue the contrast character relationships you've got there, there's almost like they're the human mirror of tarzan's family because you've got sort of the alpha male who is in, yeah. for for tarzan it's Kurchek for for the for the porters it's clayton you've got but then you've got the really well-established single parent and you know and child relationship, and you yeah. can tell that Jane and Professor Porter are really they really care about each other and they really support well, each other. Not only that, there's a great moment where they see gorilla tracks and they're like, "Oh my gosh, Daddy, that's gorilla tracks!" and they're like geeking out, and it's adorable. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> like I think I'm also a little biased to Jane just because, well. 
I, I had an ex-girlfriend and uh, we're still friends. <laughs> and okay. uh, she had really long red hair. So there was always like the aerial like connection. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, she was exactly like Jane. Oh. Same face, same nose, little like kind of turned up nose. So much the same personality. I I like Jane a lot. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, of of many of the Disney heroines out there, this is one I can safely say I had a childhood crush on. Yeah, she is a For sure. (laughs) And um, the other funny thing is, did anybody notice, I'm, I'm curious if there was some thematic reasoning for having all of these new humans wearing yellow. I don't think so. I think it's supposed to resemble like um, just being in the wild uh, or like kind of like explorer wear. I d- but they are, they, they stick out. They're like against the tree, the green and everything. It makes them look very out of place. Yes. I, the, the man with the yellow hats family came to town. <laughs> they're, they're all in these. And I, I was wondering, maybe it has something to do with yellow being a very like different color to the jungle colors. And you know, that's, I, I, that's fair. I think, well, um, I mean, yellow is still a natural color, but yellow is um, similar to red is one of those colors. Like when you see it, it's there. It's very apparent. Uh, Especially Jane. Oh yeah. Jane, Jane and, sticks out like a sore thumb because he's got the whole poofy Victorian like dress. Uh, now the color that sheds as we find out. Uh, the, oh yeah. The color that's always been said like, Oh, you don't usually <laughs> see in the wild is purple. Uh uh-huh. But I think in this case, they're thinking, okay, explorers tend to wear like this beige outfit. And I think, oh, let's make it yellow to really hammer the point that they are not in their element. And that's one of- It's just so, so drastic, the contrast. Oh yeah. It really is. Jane, one of the things I do like about her character is they do not hide the fact that she is not in her element at all. And she, when she- it's like she naturally freaks out when she is supposed to freak out. And I love the fact that you could tell this character was very raised prim, British, proper, and tries to keep to it even when in the face of danger, but then is like still screaming and freaking out. And it's like, that's a great character. So yeah. On the, on the other hand too, what I like is that she's driven by curiosity and yes. not like she doesn't complain about their condition. She's usually just like, Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, you know, like, yeah. She's obviously afraid, but she does it anyway. Yes. She's there because there's wonder in what she's doing. And yeah, she's will, she's will, she'll freak out naturally over things that, you know, she needs to freak out about. And, and yeah, she's got that primness of like, well, I never, but she never gets, she's never stuck up. You know what I mean? No, she's not. It's clearly (sighs) part of her upbringing. It's not her personality. Yeah. You, You feel like that most likely her father and her were probably outcasts at home. Maybe, uh, I, maybe I don't think so. You know, I'm thinking more. Her father is a anthropologist, and David brought this up that like Darwin uh, brought a it was a cabin boy. So yeah, when when Darwin was sailing on his his five year voyage on the Beagle, he befriended um, the cabin boy of the ship, um, and that boy eventually became his sort of like protege slash like assistant who like would follow him around, take his notes and do his, his like do a lot of the sketching in the books would do a lot of the anthropological sketches. So like, you know, and Darwin did, you know, some of the stuff, but usually he's like, you know, Sims, take this down. And um, I feel like Jane is kind of that for her father. Like so you don't, you don't feel like at home, like in the city, 
the two of them were kind of looked at as a little little out there. I think they, they might have been. They might have been know. looked as quirky. I think like they're clearly higher up, like uh, in society. He's probably is an anthropologist that um, is like, oh, I go to fancy stuff all the time. But at the same, uh, but they are both very quirky and passionate individuals. They probably. I, I feel like high society might put up with them to a degree, but also yes. kind of make fun of them behind their back. Well, yeah, considering considering they're thinking. traveling, they're traveling. The reason they're there is they they want to study gorillas in their natural habitat, and, and unfortunately, they they brought along someone with the more. The, with a very different Victorian mindset, which is like they're brutes and savages, and, and they'll soon attack you. And what they need to be done do is they need to be stuffed and mounted. Old Gaston is what I call. Him. <laughs> he is very much a Gaston, at least in how trigger happy he is. That's yep. actually more of who I would equate him to. I because no, well, no, no, no. I still think his closest analog is a Ratcliffe. Yes, I think so. Yeah, no, you're but, right. You're he doesn't right. have a Wiggins to pop up and go, I like you. <laughs> oh, God. I, uh, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, it's interesting, though, before we go on from these characters, I just want to, I'm not sure if there's like a, a combination of characters that's just represents love, knowledge, and ego in Disney films. Because you've got the love interest. You've got the knowledge from the father. You got the ego represented by the villain. So you got Belle, Gaston, Belle's dad, <laughs> Jasmine, Jafar, Jasmine's dad. So there are these like these patterns of three that seem to pop up a lot. I think it's more uh, the tropes or like a, a stereotype, like the typing. You'll, I, it tropes, does, definitely. but it, I think it, this isn't just the threes. I think this also includes. Oh, we need the comedic sidekick. Yeah. We need the hero. We need... Um, I do think it's funny how a lot of times through those three archetypes occur at the same time, though. That's like, true. I can see that, yeah. They always show up around the same moment in the film. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong, but I just... Yeah. I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very Disney renaissance thing, because as you get, you get further into... Other movies, that's not the case. This is like them taking all the beats that they think are going to work best and being like, okay, we've done this for a few years now. And now they have the formula down. So, um, but yeah, anyway, but like, so uh, this is interesting because like, so Jane ends up uh, finding and doing like a field sketch of a a little little baboon Mm -hmm. who takes it and then is crying because she tries to take it back in a really funny scene. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah attracts the attention of a bunch of angry baboons and this is how she gets chased into the jungle. For some reason, her father and Clayton are elsewhere at this point. They've like wandered off camera. And then she gets rescued by Tarzan in a very good uh, high-flying comedy bit. I actually, there's bits in here that genuinely make me laugh. Like when Tarzan lands on the stump, it breaks and he unintentionally does his splits and he's like, (laughs) Yeah, this this leads back to my, like, like hopefully this is not too racy to talk about but I feel like this is where the physicality comes in. Uh, yeah. Kind of the sexuality comes in, well, too. Here's another thing. And Dave and I kept joking about this. So Tarzan has been growing up in the wild. Uh, that is the most hairless man I have ever <laughs> seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. For a guy raised by apes, man, they picked the guy who was just the opposite. Like, this, this okay. <laughs> He should have very hairy legs, very hairy arms. Yeah. Um, a, a I, oh, here, beard I, you know what? Chest hair. This is a this is a this is a goofy explanation, but he does 
grind like you know with his feet along tree branches and stuff and he's always <laughs> he's sliding crazy. through the canopy maybe he's he's basically waxed himself on trees unintentionally <laughs> <laughs> explain the no facial hair though uh, hey he he george of the jungle a few times watch out for that tree yeah, he's doing that face waxing along the side of a birch or whatever yeah maybe you know what he uh he's he and the other uh gorillas have eaten termites Maybe he his facial hair got eaten by termites. It's, Maybe it's that, that mud mask stuff. Yeah, he he doesn't intend to. He doesn't he doesn't intend to. He just you know. Still, that is the most hairless man I have <laughs> ever seen I, in my life. I will try to put it aside, but yeah, if this was a real thing, no, he would have a full beard. Look, I um like one of my ex boyfriends uh what it was an Asian man and he had very little hair on his body. And, yeah. but he still, it was still there. Like he still had, it, <laughs> well, it, it grew slowly, there, but it- Just light, you know? Yeah, it, it, it grew slowly, but it was still there. You could still, it's, you could still see like dark hairs on his, um, on his legs, but- Choose your words carefully. <laughs> there, he was, there is, he is not even remotely as hairless as Tarzan is. <laughs> Well, it feels like one of those animated things where they're like, oh, yeah, he's got hair, but let's just kind of ignore the fact. <laughs> he's got long hair and a loincloth, and that's about yeah. it. But, yeah, I feel <clears throat> like there is definitely a a romance novel kind of, I mean, you can't ignore it because it's the core of the story. Once Jane comes into the picture, he's like, what is this? What's yeah. this? What's so- this? So the, <laughs> so the animators actually described him because uh, past Tarzans were very like like tough and like more brusque looking. Yeah. And they called him like a Fabio looking character. That was the <laughs> word they used. There you go. You remember the Disney parade where they had him like on top of an elephant? <laughs> this like totally like oiled up buff guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. That I do remember. Funny. Sitting next to the moms on the street when that one came by. That was funny. Ooh. <laughs> like, ooh, Tarzan. Ooh, hello. <laughs> little little show for the for the for the ladies and a few of the men. Yes. Uh <laughs> just well, it was funny because around that time I went on my Disney trip, so I had Tarzan on the mind. I'm like, man, I got long hair. I got very similar features. I got the long face. I look like Tarzan. And then I saw the guy come out and I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna have um, to pull some iron. Hey, so we're, we're yeah, we're we're now slowly unpulling that one pin, that that one Jessica Rabbit pin, yes. <laughs> yes. because yes. because yeah, when they're after the chase is done and they're hiding, they're under the tree while the tropical storm is there, and they're Man, like, there's, there's fire in that. Oh no, there's oh yeah, there's clear sexual tension between them, and it's great, and I love like he's figuring it out. But there's that really tender moment where he like takes her glove off and they put their hands together and it's like, wow, he's realizing that they're, they have similar hands. And then he puts his head on her chest. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, oh, this is, uh, I don't know. I I like this, but I don't. I do. I do enjoy the moment where kind of, because he doesn't know what's going on. He starts to lift up her skirt and she's like, no, get off, get, get, get get off. And she just kicks him. (laughs) Yeah. I Uh, mean, (laughs) it's funny, but it's like, it's coming real close to the mark. 
Yeah. Yeah, but it, but you get that he's not doing anything to be predatory. He's just curious. Oh yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty innocent at that point for the most part. Yeah, he has no sense of you know. But it's also a little terrifying. Like no, a little oh, bit. oh no, for her it's, it's still it's plenty in terrifying. Her shoes, you're like, oh my god. But the yeah. other thing was uh, just before that, when they're doing their little escape the monkeys scene, he's doing all of the sliding and he kind of does the splits by accident. So there's kind of this weird focus on you know, okay, genitalia or somewhere. <laughs> and, and then, you, you know. Pull the groin muscle. Even the way he's like carrying her in some of the scenes is kind of suggestive. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I saw that scene, I was like, oh God, am I only, I'm, I probably didn't even think about this when I was young and saw this, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little suggestive. It, it, I, you know, I, I saw it too, but it's not, it's not in your face or anything. It's just like that the. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. This is uh, a detailed look at the film, so. Oh, exactly. No, it's <laughs> fair. It's totally fair to bring up, too. Here's the interesting part. They do have chemistry, and it's even yeah. amplified by the fact they have sexual chemistry, but in if we recall, like, past Disney movies, the, I gotta say, like, the last time that we were like, oh, yeah, these are two romantic characters that clearly have good chemistry, and I think that was... Um, Aladdin Jasmine like they oh yeah that that there's weirdly good chemistry between them yeah Uh, this is I think this is also another time like they do have good chemistry this is such a good scene and I'm and and it actually brings up another point because you were like he he seems like he picks up the English really quickly yes that was something I realized about Tarzan he is very good at picking up languages like even if it's the sounds of guns yeah oh yeah oh yeah that's something that is Clayton (laughs) <laughs> and I mean that's proven earlier on because he's ma- able to make a sound of an elephant and stuff like that. So um, it's subtle, but it show it is shown that he is very good at making noises with his mouth. While also, so he he's very good at like mimicking and he and he had to be because in that montage where he's you know he's growing up, not only did he do it just because it was fun, but he's he's learning he's learning from other animals in order to try and be a better a better ape. I think it's funny that he's so good at mimicking things, and yet the one thing he's most famous for doing is just a random sound. <laughs> the yell. And I, and I do think that if this had been made like within the last couple of years, they would have had a whole plot point on how he made that noise first. Yeah. They would have been like, oh, well, he heard this animal, and he had to go hunt it, and it made this sound. And, you know, he wanted to you know, scare it. And he knew the only way. So there would have been this whole, like, this is how he got the yell scene. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but in the movie, he just, he just does it. It's funny because, like, the yell is such a, a cultural touchstone with Tarzan, but that was established in the movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's in the book, too, I believe. Yeah, but that, but the way that the yell is done yes. is clearly inspired by that original, oh, you know, yeah. like, it's hard to imitate, but you can... If you hear the sound, it's such a like it's clear, it's like, iconic. It's it's like clearly Tarzan. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's not a monkey. They don't do that that, but maybe back in the day, they thought a monkey might make a sound. <laughs> yeah, but do the, that. Do that weird yell. That sounds monkey like. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, doesn't this lead to trashing in the camp? It does because because yeah. Tarzan's going to take Jane back to camp, but then before that, uh, Turk and um. Tur- uh, Turk and Tantor are looking for Tarzan and they find the camp. This is, this is the only di- diegetic song. Yes, this is the only song that's actually sung by the characters in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not just uh, just talking about what's happening. 
Yes. Is is the scene pointless? Yes. But I like it. It's and so it's short. It doesn't really overstate the welcome. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's silly. It's fun. I um I might be biased because I have a good experience with the song. But yeah. it is it was a song that I actually would continuously go back and listen to and be like, this is so catchy. It is very catchy. And it's a lot of fun. Um like, do you like the uh, NSYNC version of it? I, I I do. David I really like it, and I and it's funny because I played it for Kayla. I'm like, and she's like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling this, and it got to the weep weep should weep, and she's like, oh god, <laughs> that's what killed it. Yeah, like should we weep? See, I, we, we, oh. see, I was fine with it. Uh, like I was good with Phil Collins. I was good with uh, NSYNC just doing that that thing until it got to boy bandness, and I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, it definitely. They had to. Make the girls know. Oh, we're in it. We're in the song. <laughs> it's, Here's it's, something only we would do, right? <laughs> it is a good acapella bit, though. I actually think it's really catchy. Yeah, and, like, I, and like I said, it does not outstay its welcome. Yes. Yeah. If I recall in the behind the scenes, like um, there's a point where Justin Timberlake says, "I was so excited to work with Phil Collins." <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I yeah. don't doubt that. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Move on. Here's 98 degrees. Be like, oh my god, we were so excited to work with Stevie Wonder, yeah. and here it is again. <laughs> We get to work. I wanted to see him in his his suit and his Nikes, just just be cool. <laughs> oh, you we rewatch the uh, True Your Heart music video, and wow, the the ninety eight degrees closes. <laughs> oh God, it's so boy band terrible. It's so like, boy band terrible. How many fade shots do we have with the same guy's face in it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> so they they trash the camp. Yes, and uh, you know there's. They, there's a pseudo introduction where, where Turk and the gorillas that are there meet Jane, uh, but that's before, um, oh my gosh. Uh, I, I actually do like the moment where when Turk greets Tarzan, uh, you're seeing it from Jane's perspective and they're just like wrestling like they, they are friends. Again, a very uh, nice moment. And she's like, oh my gosh, he's one of them. It's a, it's a very fascinating look too. And yeah. Do you guys wonder what this film would have been like if there had been no animals talking? That would have been fascinating. I think, I mean, the purpose of the, the reason why they did make it animated is so they could allow them to talk and we could connect with the animals more. I think Uh, it works better, but it's a weird thing to think about. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I think in this case it works. Like uh, again, we're, um, we're seeing from a lot of Tarzan's point of view and how he's trying to fit in with the gorillas um, and then later on try to fit in with the humans. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, there, it, it, there is like a weird mirror point. I think, actually, the more I think about it, I think Sandy's right. Like there is that split point where it's like him trying to um, blend in with the, the apes and trying to prove himself and show that he's not uh, just a... Um, An outcast? yeah. Again, if Kerchak would have accepted him, it's like, okay, he's cool. ape. He's cool. ape. Problem solved. New, New problem, problem begins immediately. Exactly. And I think that's still true. I think that's still true and of the film. And then it would be, oh, now he has to fit. He's discovered people like him, and now he kind of wants to fit in into this other world. Yeah, he's, all, he's totally like getting torn in half as far as what he wants to do. The other thing that I thought of, and I, I feel like it fits talking about it at this point, is what if what if they had an alternate ending where in he actually went to the city? Oh, oh. 
That would have been interesting. I don't know. I, we'll talk more about that at the end. I think it probably fits more when we get closer to the finish. Yeah, just a hypothetical, like, honestly. I, th- I think um, the reason he says, too, is because he becomes king of the apes. And that's the title of the book. He does become king of the apes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, not, not until sequel, right? <laughs> can't take the ape out of the jungle, but you can take the jungle out of the ape. Um, but... Uh, so yeah, they they leave like they're they're pulled away. Tarzan and uh, the gorilla troop. He gets pulled away with the gorilla troop after they realize you know. And Jane, like the professor and and Clayton, just miss them. And Jane has that bit where she tells the story, and we you quoted that line a little bit earlier. And I like when she's just talking about everything. And Daddy, they took my boot. Is such a great. <laughs> oh my goodness. I bought you those boots. <laughs> I bought you those boots, yeah. I like how he chimes in a little bit about stuff. He's like, you know, oh, she's just like a mother making up stories like this, fanciful <laughs> stories. They're less men in loincloths, though. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? Did you know your wife very well? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, actually, we need to talk about later on, because there's a point where he he's, like, passed out or something, or he's asleep, and then... Like, I think an ape tickles him. He's like, oh, minister. And I'm like, minister? What the heck kind of dreams are you having? Maybe no, prime I, minister? I thought, I thought he was talking about the queen. Oh, your majesty. Maybe it was your majesty. Yeah, I, I thought he said, said oh, well. minister. I thought you. No, oh, no. He says, oh, your majesty. Oh, okay. So, so how full? Okay, so he's fantasizing about the queen. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's really good. That's, that actually, that's oh, still. Oh, minister's pretty damn funny, too. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I, minister. Um. <laughs> Um, but the wife left. I don't know. <laughs> there's another little conflict bit with Kerchek and and Tarzan, where Tarzan kind of stands. It's like, why can't you accept anybody who's different? And he's just like, I'm trying to protect this this family, and you need to do the same. And he goes off and kind of skulks by himself, and he kind of determines, no, I'm going to learn more about these these people. Is that about when uh, Clayton starts putting ideas in his head too? A little bit. I think does that come after? Like he he shows up. And that's, that kind of helps corroborate uh, Jane's story. And that's when they're like, oh, we can use Tarzan to lead us to the gorillas. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they start to teach him English and learn more about I want to know. Can you show? Montage number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, which is a sweet song. I, and, I like this song, too. And but again. Really sexy. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I, I actually love some of the moments where, like, you know, there are I, I like I like lines like every gesture, every move that she makes makes me feel like never before. Like, I know we we get it from the visuals, but yes. I like what we always see from her his perspective. We see Jane. We see her just in her element, and he's just you know it, it's he's still, going through puberty. So it's still a little on the nose, though. This is one of the songs that it's like, yes, we get it. We get it. As they're climbing into the trees, come with me and you'll see my world. Yes, they literally take my <laughs> Yes, Phil Collins, we get it. You draw don't have to sing birds it. With me. Is this is is it for you, Kayla? Is this more or less frustrating than the the, the first one? The oh, first the first one's so much more frustrating. <laughs> oh, the first one <laughs> angers me so much because it's like it's it's such beautiful animation and the montage actually makes sense. It shows an actual passing of time and a way to, like you said, uh, a dichotomy only to be ruined by Phil Collins singing a mother's that, that montage all is one of the other things that dates it significantly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many montages in this. It's yeah. crazy. Though that surprising speaking of things about dating the film. There isn't really that much topical humor in it, thank goodness. That's I good. appreciate, I so appreciate it. The movie, it helps the movie not feel dated. Like There's the music no maybe a little bit, but not. You, you know, 
Yeah, I, I was gonna say Rosie O'Donnell. If you would have given her more spotlight, could have dated it more. Yeah, but she luckily, uh, like uh, or Turk's character. Oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. Turk. Because there's moments where Turk, you're like, eh, you are a little like clearly n- not from this time period, but it's not enough that it like it's I not as it. bad as it could have been. Yeah, know? yeah. There, there, she only does the you stop hitting yourself thing once, so it's not too bad. Yeah, mm. that's a very nineties thing. I don't yeah. even think it's her that does it. I think it's the other two. No, girls. it's the other two. Oh, the other well, two knuckleheads. Still, still topical. Still topical, yeah. but not so distracting. Or, well, like her singing, the fun has a rat. That's... That's eh. I, I'll forgive it. Like mm-hmm. I said, they're not... Turk and Tantor are not in the movie enough to be really annoying, but they're also not in the movie enough to have that bit at the end where they like come through for Tarzan feel super meaningful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking of which, um, so Tarzan's got this mon- this montage is going on, and they're trying. You know, Clayton's still trying to convince him to. Oh, at one point he finally talks, and he's like, "I can't." And they're like, "Why not?" And he goes, "Just says Kerchak." And they're like, "What the heck's a Kerchak?" Mm-hmm. And then we get back into the montage, which I love the bits when they have the uh, slide projector. Yeah, those are really that's a really cute element that I like, which just shows that Tarzan is good at mimic- mimicking what he sees and, and and learns from that. He's picking it up very quickly. A little um, bit of a tangent, but I think it's funny how in the uh, attraction at Disney, the uh, treehouse, if you go up, uh, you know, they have one of the main rooms and there's like a drawing scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you look back and he's like staring in the mirror and it's terrifying. The funny thing is, is just above that spot, there's a little area, just a very small spot. But every time we went to close that part of the attraction, we'd go through and have to search up there to make sure nobody was, well, having fun up there. Oh. (laughs) It was a very popular spot for kids to go during grad night. Oh. You see Tarzan. What can you say? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you you see Tarzan, you're like, hey, I could take my shirt off too. Hey. God. I mean, there's a point in the scene where she's like, he has such intense eyes. And her dad actually makes the... Should, should I leave you alone with the blackboard? <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of creepy of you to say to your daughter. But, but, <laughs> props, and she just responds, oh, daddy. Like, I know, I get it. They, they do. I love their relationship. They, I just got to say, like, I love that he can make a joke like that and she's not offended. She, like, it's clearly established that they kind of poke gentle fun at each other. A little yeah. Bit. It's um, great. But eventually, like, he's, they, they're going to leave and, um, Tarzan's totally falling in love with Jane. Uh, he goes to get her flowers. Oh, which is sweet. And uh, learns that, oh, she can only stay if she sees a gorilla. Well. Or she's the gorilla. They were going to leave no matter what, but Clayton convinces Tarzan that she'll stay. <laughs> and he's so derogatory. Yeah. That's why they came, isn't it? Oh, by the way, if you hear the pirate, like, not pirate, sorry, sailors, basically. They look like pirates. Uh, you hear them say, you're Bill Drax, and they're making lines that are clearly from the Pirates oh, of the Caribbean. Oh, I, I, you know, I'm shocked I didn't notice that. You know, I know it's been a good 20 years or so. Like, I assume Tarzan's in his, like, late uh, teens, early yeah. 20s. <laughs> well, I actually yes, don't know. Oh, how my I God, am. this was 20 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. It, no, 21. Oh, my God. That hurts. That hurts. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about Tarzan as a character. Oh, you mean 100, like about 100 no, years ago? No, I'm talking about Tarzan in the context of the movie. Because oh. I just wanted to bring something up. So Tarzan, we see him, he's grown up. 
He's he was a kid. He's now an adult, presumably in his late teens or early twenties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when he was a baby, his parents were on like a proper old sailing ship that like sank. You know, mm-hmm. you know, fairly sophisticated, but it's like a ship you would see in like maybe late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the impression right. I get. Um, the ship that we see off the coast that's come to pick them up is like a steamship. <laughs> yeah, it is. One looks like it was from the 1700s. And then that one looks like it's, you know, came out at the same time the Queen Mary did. <laughs> Tarzan ages super slowly. That's what it is. Oh, there we found it. Dave and I were like, what time period this took place? And, and I looked it up. It's late 19th century. It's supposed to be late 19th century. Wow. That's, that is interesting. So he found the Fountain of Youth. That's a real story. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> that's a, and that's a very Edgar Rice Burroughs thing that could happen in Tarzan <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. I just true. watched John Carter for the first time. There you go. Ooh, nice. Best uh, thing, that's a fat dog. It's all I'm going to say. Mm. But, um, but yeah, so, so Tarzan is finally like, I want Jane to stay. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break my oath and go introduce her and, and uh, the professor and Clayton. Yeah, I guess he can come too. To the to my family, to the gorillas, and of course, Kala is like having none of this, and he tries to communicate with her, but she's like super, super nervous. Um, but you know, it's really at first, sad. it's really huh? well animated, but it's very heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I actually really appreciated how you know he introduces them. He's being real yeah. sweet about it, and at first, things are fine. At first, um, I like that he. What, what would you get up? Yeah. You were cringing a little bit at the the whole ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, speak gorilla. Yeah, he's trying to teach her how to speak gorilla. It's kind of cringy. Like <laughs> Well, what how do you mean? I, I think it's the fact that it's it's supposed to be like this cutesy thing between them and it just feels awkward. <laughs> I don't know. Um there's a there's some other it's not as cringy as some other parts that come up, which I'll get into later. <laughs> uh but it's a little it, mm. Like, it's kind of awkward for me to watch. Like, eh, I don't know. It's just, mm. yeah. uh, but that's just me. It could be just me. Yeah, I, I kind of get it, though. I can understand. I mean, I, I didn't get a whole lot of cringe out of it because I think the buildup kind of made sense. But yeah, you're right. It's a little, it's a little. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Kerchik, uh, he, he's not, he's having none of this. He shows up and he, he get mad. Yeah. Captain Forehead's pissed. Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, there's a fight. Like, Tarzan has to protect them from Kerchak as they take off. And um, I think, and Clayton gets what he wants. He's like, okay, now I know where the gorillas are. And he makes a map. Yes. And uh, Kala actually, I think it's a point where Kala shows him where he, like, where she found him. Because he's so conflicted now. He's genuinely conflicted. I I think actually this would also be another part where um, probably a lot of... uh, kids who have been adopted would relate because it's like this is the point where she's telling her telling Tarzan you're actually adopted yeah you're adopted but it doesn't change a thing about how I feel about you yeah or hopefully not how you feel about me and this is a beautiful scene well he comes out wearing his father's clothes we're assuming and because probably in a trunk somewhere because I'm actually surprised that they go back the whole place is overgrown it's been a couple decades but like (laughs) I think it's I mean it works thematically really well so I think they just kind of fudged that part of it yeah Yeah, I know it's fine I like just hyper focus on it because again they go back to the treehouse and all I'm thinking is like whatever happened to the bodies yeah I know those are gone those are gone (laughs) yep 
along yeah. the way from the end. Yep. But like you, you, I noticed this too, when he goes in there, everything's overgrown, but everything's just as they left it, including you can still see the, the, the shotgun lying on the, the rifle lying on the floor where it was dropped after they tried to shoot Sabor mm-hmm. while they were defending themselves. But now it's all overgrown. Even the shell casings are still there. Yeah. Yeah. It's creepy. It's, it's creepy. But in this scene, it's like, it's so far removed. I actually think it's really fascinating when he sees the picture of his, of him and his, his, biological parents and yeah and then he puts on the clothes and he has that moment with cause like no matter where i go you will always be my mother it's like oh yeah you know what's funny about this movie too is these days i mean there's a lot of things changing where we look back at older films even just a short while ago and we find things that are aren't treated very sensitively um come off insensitive i should say yeah, I feel like I feel like for the time this film, for the most part, handles all that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think the sentimentality of the movie never feels like saccharine. It feels like I honestly feel like the movie yeah, actually the feels part. sentimental. For I mean, there's some places where it falls short, but most of the time, in particular here, I think it it the heart of the movie really shows, and um, this is what I like about it. This is the thing that's I like. When, about. That's when I got the idea of I wonder what it would be like if he decided to go with them. If he said, "Okay, I'm going to the city," and he continued to go with them, like, yeah, like they actually he, ended up in the city. Yeah, yeah. Like, would he have just gone crazy, or what? You know, <laughs> what would have happened? I that's, that's I, I would love to see that alternate timeline. That would have been cool. King Kong, but, you know. But, yeah. But instead, it turns out that uh, it's all Clayton's. Just like, nope, you guys are tricked. I'm going to go hunt some gorillas. Turns out all these guys I hired on are actually poachers like me, and we're going to go get these gorillas. And they they basically mutiny and take the captain and the few loyal crew members hostage. Yeah, I think they should have a line, uh, like like a, a, a list of lines, the the villain guilt trip lines <laughs> that like every villain uses on the hero at one point to get them to do the like the wrong thing uh, or to trick yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Clayton certainly takes the opportunity to do the thing where he's like, oh, by the way, thank you for showing me where the gorillas are. I'm going to gloat and make you feel even worse about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's- He tries to fight back, but he's no match for a lot of people who are able to climb rigging after him pretty quickly. They're quote-unquote saved by Tantor and Turk. <laughs> that okay this is the part i've been leading up to this does not feel earned tantor's like we gotta help tarzan because he's our friend i'm like yeah it's when really <laughs> and the funny thing is is i do like his character yeah i do too you're right there's just not enough like payoff there's not a build-up to the payoff yeah it's 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 cute uh the, the this bit i'm glad that they're there to help save them but and, but even, like, the part where they're, like, Turk is mad that, like, Tarzan's leaving doesn't, again, also doesn't feel that earned. Because, like, we've only seen them spend so much time together. And every time that Tantor and Turk come into the picture, it makes it feel like, oh, we're in a cartoon again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Because they, they did the whole thing where the reason Kerchek wasn't there was he told them to go and distract Kerchek by wearing... Turk had to wear one of Jane's dresses and Tantor made his trunk yeah. look like See, a that's professor. the part for me where I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, that's where it feels like, again, like budget. Um, so real, so realistic. And then, oh, here's here's our... Again, it's it's budget Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. I know, Gracie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're saved. And then meanwhile, they 
do they get there like in time or was it they get there just as like the poachers are oh that's right walking up all all these animals are like backing him up if i recall like yeah because he's racing at one point he throws the he throws his outfit off yeah he's racing through the jungle and he's back to his leg off underneath yeah Yeah. um but he what if they they did sort of a austin powers thing (laughs) he's he's like swinging through the jungle without like a loincloth and they just have like branches like blocking <laughs> with the Simpsons movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh man. <laughs> but he uh, so they're 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 getting everybody. Uh there's a net gun that gets fired at Kerchek that keeps him out of the picture for a bit. And then that's when Tarzan and the gang roll and everybody gets a moment to do something kind of cool, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um like I actually Jane gets a moment where she gets to be heroic. Turk and Tantor get to be heroic. Um, there's a bit I really like where, uh, uh, Jane is trying to get, um, Jane is trying to get Kala out of a cage and behind her, one of the crewmen is like creeping up on her, ready to like attack her and stop her. Tarzan drops from a tree, lands on him and the wrench he was holding flies out of his hand. She looks up right then, grabs the wrench, goes, ah, that'll help. And then she just starts prying it. I'm like, it's a good, it's a good uh, comedy bit. That's also like (laughs) competently done. I think too, like I said, um, before Jane is heroic in how she would normally be heroic. Like I, there's times where I kind of worry that I, not to say that women shouldn't be like strong characters or anything, but there's a difference between I'm a buff girl who can take a punch and all that versus. Yeah. You can oh, have strength. You know, her strength is being super smart and figuring it out. Yes. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be like, oh man, I can, I can fight and I can do like flips and stuff. It's like, nah, it's not necessary. Yeah. Because, uh, but it makes, it makes for the moments when she does do stuff in that scene when they happen, it makes it more meaningful. Like, cool, she's not in her element at all, but she's fighting to save well, the gorilla. Well, the one thing she does is like she swings, and remember, she was taught that by Tarzan That's earlier right. on. That's so right. It's warrant. Like, it actually does feel warranted. I love yeah. that bit where she's like kind of cornered, but then the uh, the baby baboon with her boot and her umbrella. Yes. And the uh, and all the baboons show up, and then she gets her basically kind of like monkey amnesty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I parlay with the power of monkey. So good. <laughs> um, but then Clayton gets his one fatality in the movie, and that's uh, he shoots uh, Kerchak. We will get to that death in a second because he doesn't die until. Um, Gruesome death. Mm. Oh, we no. Let's talk about the finale because you know his plan's been foiled. So now he gets to do the villain climb to a high place to fight the the hero um, in the canopy because he he climbs up chasing Tarzan. And then I actually really like the bit where Tarzan gets the gun and he points it at Clayton and he's just like, "Go ahead, shoot me." Be a man. Be a man. (laughs) And he makes a gun noise with his mouth and breaks the gun. Yes. Yeah, very nice. That's mm-hmm. good. Clayton's not done. He's got a machete. They go and fight. He Tarzan gets him tangled up. And of course, I like that they make it very clear that it's it's Clayton's own hubris that kills him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And-, and I like the I think it's funny how much from the very beginning Clayton just is terrified of nature. Yes. Yes. Like, I think I mean it shows he hates it, but really you see the fear through his entire arc. Mm-hmm. Not really an arc. He doesn't have much of an arc. Nah, I, you know what else? He also has a lot in common, as it does me with McLeach. Oh, yeah. Uh, I could see that, actually. Yeah, definitely. The, the difference is McLeach was totally <laughs> in his element, where 
Clayton is not. Clayton oh, is that's not. True. That's true. Bleach uh, was a little bit more of a master of controlling the environment. Yes. Yeah. With with Clayton, I feel you're right. He is scared, but you know the idea when you're scared, you either fight or flight. He's always fighting. Like it's like this. This is happening. Shoot it. Attack it. Yeah. He's immediately just bam. Yes. Trigger happy. So interesting that he also died from a fall, but not in any way that the other villains have. Yeah, let's... Oh, boy. Okay, I've been waiting for this moment because, first of all, let's uptick that plummet counter. Beautiful. Mm. Huh. <laughs> How many is this so far? Well, uh, let, let's let's go through it real quick. Since we're since we're this is a this is our three year anniversary, and we've been keeping track of this plummet counter since then. So we start with the Wicked Queen in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, who yes. falls to her death after the cliff she's on is struck by lightning. Uh, we counted Lucifer in Cinderella, who falls out a window. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's shown to be alive later on, but we're just getting it in the movie. Yeah, we're in, without the context of the sequels, that's the end of Lucifer. We never see him again. Uh, I counted Sleeping Beauty uh, because yep. she is stabbed, but like she's a magical, powerful, so- powerful sorcerer, and she does fall to her death. As she's dying. Yes. As she's dying. Nothing but a sword and a stain. <laughs> that's <laughs> such a good bit. So that's three. And then uh, we don't get another one till The Great Mouse Detective. But we get two in The Great Mouse really? Detective. Really? Yeah, was it that long between? Yeah, yeah. surprisingly. What? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were... Uh, we were shocked, too. Because it seems like such a trope, but it really only became a trope in the Disney Renaissance. Okay. And that's... Uh, we said two because it's not just um, the main villain who dies. It's uh, Fidget also is th- thrown off. Yeah, th- Fidget falls into the... Okay. the the Thames? Yes, he is killed uh, oh, so by a fall. Speaking, speaking of that movie, I got the uh, finally got the other villainous card game box with Radigan in it. Ooh, you can play Radigan in that one. Yeah. Nice. Well, we should do, when this is all over and we can get back together again, we have a lot of games we got to play. We have to do. Uh, <laughs> next up is Beauty and the Beast. Yep, that's that's... That's a pure one, isn't it? Oh, that's pure one. That's like the almost one of the purest examples. I mean, as you just listeners fall. just heard, I still use the Evil Queen's scream, the very first one, as yep. the sound effect for the plummet counter when I tick it up. But <laughs> Gaston's, Gaston's death is almost like the most prominent example of when this, these, these came thick and fast. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What about the rescuers down under? Did he die by a fall? Yeah. yeah. No, he died by the... No, he, no, McLeach goes over the waterfall. That's right. Okay, so that's seven. Um, and then after that, we had Hunchback of Notre Dame. Because... Oh, yeah, he falls right into the flame. Yep. Yep, that's another fall Ooh, to have, your have death. Have you guys done, done that movie yet? Yes, we have. We have. Oh, boy, that is a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Hercules no, does he's not a god. count. He's a god. He doesn't die from that fall. Uh, he's ex- Mulan, he's exploded, and now we're at nine. We are at our ninth plummet. Ninth plummet, man. What's number 10 going to be? Who, uh, I don't know. Um, like, I'm going through it right now, and I'm not sure. What if it's the final fall? It could Ooh, be. It might be. It's This is a doozy of a fall, because, like, I don't know, you know, because I think it's, again, this movie has teeth. Again, we saw, we see, we see the corpses of Tarzan's parents having been mauled by the leopard at the beginning here. Clayton falls and is hanged by the vines. And we see his machete hit the ground. And, and we see his shadow, shadow. <laughs> as lightning yeah, flashes. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you're it's, like, it's, oh my God. It's so grim. 
Are we are we getting another subtle reference to uh, to uh, the haunted mansion? You know that wouldn't surprise me I, if that was. I can I I can see Kevin Lima doing that. Like, see guys, I'm putting Disney references in. Of course, there's always my way, old boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then this leads to Kerchak's death, which um is not. Oh boy. Hmm. This is cringy. This also not earned. Not earned. Not earned. And the reason I say that is because you're right. He was just an obstacle. Why should we care about an obstacle's death? And then not only that, he's like, "You take my place now." Why? Why is he taking his place? And then because you are my son. And I'm like, you're not, no, no, you're, you're not. not. You have not earned that, Kerchak. You don't I, have this. I think this is the first time where I, I'll completely disagree with you guys. Really? I I I I feel like it it showed a very realistic um, interpretation of a father figure not accepting someone who, who is basically their kid. The only problem with it is I feel like, uh, I don't know, like, 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 I mean, maybe you're right that there could have been more done to earn it, but I, I, I feel like I was emotionally invested in that. I mean, okay. when you say because he's he's his son, part of it might be the acting because I really like Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson is very good. No, he's a great actor. I just think the lines are cringy. Yeah. I like the way he's saying it is perfect, but it's cringy because. What do you think would have made it better? There, like I said, I think there should have been a moment where he get, did give him some acceptance. There should have been. Okay. Uh, and Only then, to have it taken away again when he sees like Tarzan's yeah. quote unquote betrayal. And there could have been like You were never one of us. Again, there could have been moments where he um kind of accepts some of uh Tarzan's moments or like at least shown just shown some sort of kindness or care rather than just staring at him like he's nothing. Even if it was yeah, even if it was just a right. small gesture. Like a small gesture. Of small like gestures. he him falling and he just catches like grabs him. And then pulls him up or something, and then I, mean, I guess I felt like some of that was unspoken. But as far as a you know a medium like film, it probably would have been better to show some of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just it could just those couple of moments to show like he does care for him even just a little bit. It it's and it doesn't like it's only just those couple of moments, and then again shows acceptance, but his wall is only down just a little bit. I think. I think it would, I think for me, it would, it was, this was fine until it got to the, my, like, your, like, my, my son bit. Because I don't think Kerchik yeah. learned that. Because no. of the way he treated Tarzan. But I will accept just, you need to lead this family now. You need to take my place. And that's fine. Yeah. It's that's just, fine. it's yeah. just the my son part is not. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, I guess it is less. I mean, I'm thinking the rest of it was pretty realistic. But I think, I mean, if you take an example, like someone, a father with like a son who has, you know, gay, you know, treating him that way and acting like he doesn't belong in the family. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's like, Oh, you're my son. Right. When he's dying, but only for that moment. You're right. It would, it would kind of lose its meaning. It, it just rings a little hollow but, for but, me, that part. But, but it, I get the reason why it rings hollow is he doesn't raise him at all. He yeah. He, he does not do any form of upbringing whatsoever. That's yeah, all right. on Kala. There's no moment where he shows any semblance of kindness towards Tarzan at all. He, he's just like, nope, outsider, <laughs> outsider. It, it does feel like the typical patriarchy of man has to rule. No time for the pups. <laughs> Basically. No, I mean, but, but even, even, even then, there should have... 
even then there should have been at least a moment where it's like uh like any semblance of oh like kindness or something just i I see what you mean it's it would have been fairly simple to put in a quick scene of that kind of like a little bit of help or a little bit of concern if something happened like tarzan fell down a cliff or something and he was like oh whoa, are you okay and then kind of caught himself well, like, he oh, doesn't he doesn't even need to do that. honestly he doesn't even need to say anything like he can still be stern but m- more it's because this is definitely a man more of action than of words so even like a simple just a simple gesture like like he look can't, in his eyes or something yeah, yeah. Like, or like there's a moment where like Tarzan can't reach a fruit or something and he grabs and just gives it to him and just and walks away. Just walks away. No look, whatever. Um I yeah. mean there there's a lot of um people who are like that that it's like they don't say many, many words. So but- I, I I don't think it's a cringy scene, but I definitely think that after talking to you guys about it, it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's just because it, it feels tropey in that moment with the my son bit. Yeah. And actually, the, the yeah, thing- we got to have him forgive, you know, even if no. there's no reason for it. Like- right. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing that's interesting about this, the, what happens in the immediate aftermath of this, this feels exactly like the Lion King in this moment because- they're, they're, all the gorillas turn to Tarzan. He's in the rain. He walks up. He takes his place. But instead of roaring at the heavens, he just beats his chest to sort of symbolize the king has returned. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, the movie starts to close uh, with uh, Jane going to leave back for um, England. But she's like, but I love, but she loves him. Or she. That's nice. It's, it's relatively subtle. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they're like, just, you could tell they don't want to leave each other, but. The whole thing. And I love that it's Professor Porter. He's like, Jane, dear, listen, <laughs> you should go back to him. Well, I almost feel like that, that's another reason I feel like, despite their upstanding look, that probably at home they're kind of ridiculed. Like like, like uh, uh, Jane and, his, and, and her uh, uh, dad are kind of looked at as silly for their theories and, oh, they're just, their heads deep in the books and the science. So I feel like for both of them, they just would rather be in a place that they were accepted a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, in, I, they do seem like the type of characters that wouldn't fit in. They, they were raised that way, but you could tell, you could tell like probably they just got stared at and then they're talked about behind their backs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're a little too progressive for that era. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it also they do seem happy. Like they like there's that moment where they're both excited to see like oh, the gorilla tracks. Oh my gosh, did you notice this? This is like they are. Yes, they're not in their element in terms of um, the environment because they're not accustomed to it. But it is an environment that they are passionate about learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They uh, they definitely are open. Yes. To what it means. So um, I think it's a, it actually makes us like, well, what am I doing? Like, what do I have back at home? I like I get to be here and learn more about uh, the apes and get to en- uh, enjoy m- my life and basically. And I get to I get to be with this incredibly hunky parkour. <laughs> yeah. 
thought, <laughs> man. But I, I sometimes I feel like there should be a thought bubble over that last scene when they're all, you know, he's swinging through the jungle and then Jane, she's got her own little sexy outfit. They're like running around. <laughs> like, oh, finally we get time to ourselves. And then, oh, here comes dad swinging around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I got yeah. I gotta say, when they finally kiss, it's so satisfying. It is nice. <laughs> in, in, in a weird way, it actually is also realistic because she does that to him and he's shocked by it, but you can tell he likes it and that's why he returns it. It's like, yeah, that's believable. Like, ooh, that felt nice. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my goodness, I thought I was going to be married to a monkey my whole life. <laughs> I do enjoy it. The- I do enjoy that the professor is being like, tell them you never found us. After all, people get lost in the jungle every day. We're like, yeah. pip. <laughs> old chris nevergall right yeah <laughs> oh my gosh yes shout out to our friend uh chris nevergall the remain seated uh remain seated please show explorer extraordinaire man out of time my goodness yes he uh <laughs> yeah this i could totally see professor porter just is is an old chris nevergall <laughs> um but yeah the movie ends with them swinging around and and That's a little it, bit of a yeah. And the Tarzan yell. Yeah, the, yeah, finish it with that. I, yeah, man. Can't be involved, Phil Collins, unless you do that drum beat. Sorry. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, I swear, you got to let me do what I want, or I will unleash Randy. He's right here. He's lurking <laughs> right over my shoulder, said Phil, angrily. Um, there's, uh, for me, the movie is okay. I think I appreciate a lot more as an adult than I do as did as a kid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, like, again, the animation is gorgeous. The setting is beautiful. There's actually some really likable characters. There's just a lot more clunkier parts that I'm just not terribly fond of. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this story could have been a bit stronger. There is something there. It just wasn't quite realized, but it's it. Like I said, it is better. There is a, there is a good moral. There is a heart there. Like it's a, it, like, that's the one thing that really saves it. Yes, it's it's what um, it's what makes it so. Like I don't dislike it, or I'm uh, like I said, I'm okay with it. I'm not um, in love with it though, or yeah. I'm not. It's, Fair enough. It, it's not one of those movies. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to. I I don't see myself rewatching it, but at the same time, it's like there is. I I can't help but be like, okay, this there's still some nice parts, and I did. It, again, the heart is what keeps it over the like tips it toward the nice part rather than the uh, yeah the eh, I'm not too fond of it at all mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Well, I I still I still enjoy it quite a bit, and yeah, I totally see the flaws in it, but I, I think I my enjoyment of the movie just continues to hold up. Um, and because I don't I don't know, there's just uh, the tone, the style, the characters, and music. I I like Tarzan. Mm. It's not one of my all-time favorites, but I like it. Yeah, I feel like um, at the time in my life that I that I enjoyed it affected my my look at it. I can't help but think of it when I think of myself and my own life experience. But uh, the film on its own, I think it is very simple, mm-hmm. stripped-down story. I think we talked a lot about ways to improve it. There could have been some strengthening of some of those themes, but the acting is so good and the heart is so strong in it that it kind of, it kind of vaults over its, its low points. Yes. Um, it's also that hyper realistic thing. I remember that's what threw me off the most when I first saw it. I was like, wow, it's so 
uncartoony. Mm-hmm. So that's also kind of a, a affects the characters like you know Tontor and and, and uh, Turk is they're <laughs> they're super cartoony and they almost don't fit. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like they could have handled their Phil Collins a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't think about that until you said it, and then it became really obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Especially that first that first uh, montage. But for for the most part, it's not one I'd watch all the time. But I think it has a good place in Disney history. I think it's mm. a decent one, especially because after this, Disney started having some issues. Oh, boy. Well, I feel like this is a great way to cap off the Disney renaissance, though, honestly. Yeah, like, I, I feel like so. it, it's a culmination of a lot of stuff. Be part of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, coming up next, actually, is the movie that you were anticipating and the movie that I'm actually pretty excited to talk about next month, and that's Fantasia 2000. I actually have an interesting personal history with that film, so mm. I look forward to talking about it. Excellent. Cool. That sounds like fun. I want to hear that one. Because, <laughs> oh. because oh. I definitely... I was so excited about that movie when it came out. And I don't know. I think it's pretty good. I think so, too. Um, I look forward to reading it. For the most part. Yeah. There's there's, there's definitely weak points. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know. Whales in space. Whales in space. How you got right (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in the next one. We will definitely talk about it. But, Sandy, thank you so much for joining us for this one. This has been a delight. Thank you for having me. You guys were great hosts, and it was really fun to talk about this. I, I had a great time. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, feel free to, uh, you know, come back, join us again some other time as we when we discuss another animated film in the future. But yeah, well, just let uh, me know. Yeah, uh, sure thing. Is there anything you want to like uh, plug or like? Uh, oh man, you know, thanks. Uh, it's it's not really a plug because it's just started. Uh, I'm trying to get a little bit more uh, uh, attention to it. Basically, in my time in quarantine, you've had a lot of time to work on different things, crafts and writing and work, working on art. And one thing I wanted to do a long time ago that I'm finally working on is making a miniature version of the Temple of the Forbidden Eye at Disneyland. Whoa. And it is about 10 inches tall, about four by four feet. And it will be the entire um, showroom building inside this box whoa like an art piece it's going to be look it looks like it's in a box that maybe indiana jones would have artifacts in and have the font of the indiana jones ride over the top and there will be little eye holes that look like mara eyes that you can look through and see into the different scenes uh, from the ride and I'm just putting together the foam core. So it's only at this point doing the dimensions of it. Um, but that's kind of the thing, especially since we're doing a Disney-related co- uh, 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 a podcast, I thought it would be kind of cool to talk, just say that's what I'm working on. So hopefully as time goes by, it'll get uh, more built. Cool. If, if people want to follow your progress on that, is there, is there a way people can follow that? Or uh, I am making a Facebook page right now and trying to figure out a place to... Uh, put it on Instagram. So okay. I don't have an exact thing yet. Hashtag Temple of Forbidden Eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you the best in that project because it sounds really ambitious and it sounds really awesome. Like, yeah, I think I, a lot of Disney fans may get a kick out of it. I certainly will. Yeah. I, if uh, I don't ever see it in person early enough, please show pictures. I'm, <laughs> I'm down to follow this progress. So Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. 
Anyway, if, uh, thank you for that. And if uh, you're a, uh, and if you you know enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please feel free to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Whatever you feel like saying. Again, as I say every time, this is something Kayla and I just do because it's fun. Gives us an excuse to watch a lot of Disney movies and to really delve into the history of feature animation. Uh, this isn't the end of Anna Musings, not by a long shot. We still have a lot more to go, but it's been a great three years and. Um, you know, we're going to be moving into the fourth year of this podcast with uh, and moving into the early 2000s finally. So mm-hmm. we're, we're starting to catch up with, uh, you know, with time here, which is interesting. It's, it's going to get, we're actually entering the 21st century. Wow. <laughs> well, that said, uh, if, if people wonder, you know, where we are after this, uh, tell them they never found us after all. People get lost in the podcasts every day. Toodlepip. <laughs> lost in the jungle. One hundred and five minutes of Super Mario Brothers in the can. Can't believe we did it. Uh, what's next? Obviously, Denson checks in. Oh, you mean the 1996 ape film directed by Ken Quapis? That's right. We're going to watch it one minute at a time. And for each minute that we watch, we're going to find a film that pairs nicely, like a, a wine with a fine dinner. Sounds great. See you next week. Dunstan checks min. Dunstan checks min. Dunstan checks min. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.